stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Guaranteed to be less popular, but still more employed than Connor Daly. Welcome to the 2018 Motorsport 101 IndyCar Series Preview. chance of actually winning this year sad face whoa, welcome whoa. there could be a chance for another big one a really big one god bless your heart <laughs> welcome to episode 124 of the motorsport 101 podcast the indycar 2018 season preview special i'm your host andre harrison welcome aboard and uh yep uh, this is going to be part one of another double header, and uh, it's it's going to be a fun ride. Um, we've got a lot to get through on the IndyCar, so I'll spare most of the intro pleasantries on this occasion. We have four people in the booth on this one. First up, me, of course, as usual, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yep, it's fun to be back in town, ready for St. Pete. Oh, man. <laughs> don't, don't, don't break your pelvis in two places. Please don't break your pelvis in two places this year. <laughs> Bourdain, please. <laughs> like, look, you can see you slowly turn into Stan from the Eminem music video of the same name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Um, from Tennessee, as always, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. And unlike this weekend's television commentators, um, we weren't awkwardly put back together after being released from our employers a week or a year earlier. Hmm. Funny how that one turned out in the end. <laughs> and making his Motorsport 101 debut Chris, why don't you introduce yourself to the Motorsport 101 listening public My name is Christopher DeHardy I write for MotorsportsTribune.com IndyCar.com, the Noblesville Daily Times and a couple of other outlets here and there I've covered IndyCar racing for the last uh, four years now and this will be a, a great season coming up looking forward to flying out to St. Petersburg on Thursday Oh my god IndyCar journalists and stuff. It's so cool. We've made it, yo. We've made it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's I'll do a it whole again. Lot, it, it's, it's a whole lot better than asking uh, Carlos Munoz about his opinion on minions. <laughs> we've upgraded. <laughs> we, we we're a professional podcast with professional interviewers on it, of course. Happy to help. <laughs> Right, in the meantime, basically you can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. If you want to catch a replay of me eating ice cream for two whole hours, you can do so. <laughs> Trust me, it's well worth it. Apparently I answer some questions as well when we have a good time. And I rant about football, it's fun. Uh, so you can check that out on youtube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We are on Twitter at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan King, and Chris, what's your Twitter at? At C Dehardy, C-D-E-H-A-R-D-E. That's the one. And if you want to follow the podcast itself, we are at Motorsport underscore 101. It's very useful indeed. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five dollars gets you early access to both this show and to bike live in case you missed it we had a epic two-hour show this past weekend talking about world superbikes in philip island to start of their 2018 season as all hell broke loose um two classic races one of them involving a flag to flag and marco melandri going back to 2006 by basically winning both races 
It was a fun time. Do listen if you haven't already. Check back later this week for our big one. It's our 2018 MotoGP season preview. We can't wait for that one. Me and Lewis side of me. It'll be a fun time indeed. And shout out to Jason Polden, our latest Patreon backer, longtime fan, and the crown prince emperor of the Pokemon Shuffle. Because, of course. Thanks, Jason. We appreciate you. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, so... So that's really great. Again, all the details on there as well. Back us at five bucks, you get access to both this show and Bike Live. Ten bucks, it's into our Discord server, so you can basically steal rent like Zoe does. It's great. <laughs> um, but without further ado, after this quick musical interlude, we'll get into the 2018 IndyCar season. Here we go. The 2018 Verizon IndyCar Series kicks off in St. Petersburg this Sunday. And we've got a lot to get through here. But um, (coughs) it it, it on paper, I think, has the potential to be an incredible season. A lot of downsizing at the top. A lot of buffs to the middle of the field. We're going to break it down team by team with a a few intermissions here and there to talk about other elements of the IndyCar season like the schedule, like some of the cars, like the road to Indy as well. So, from the top, shall we get started, fellas? Yes, I feel Let's like we, we should get started here with uh, with two teams that are not going to be here for the for the full season, but they'll be here for most of it. They will be here at St. Petersburg. Indeed. So, kicking us off, we have Jinkos Racing. Um, they have just the one car, the 32 um, um, powered by Chevrolet, and we have Kyle Kaiser and Rene Binder, two IndyCar debutants in the full series. RJ, tell us a little more. Well, 15 years ago, Argentinian Ricardo Juncost, um stopped his racing career um, as a driver because he didn't find any opportunities back home. He moved his kart team to Miami, Florida, and then decided to step on up to the what was then the Mazda Road to Indy, what was then the Star Mazda Championship. And over the past decade, he's built a dynasty through every step of that road to Indy. And in 2018, his team challenges the IndyCar Series in orders for the first time, competing in no less than, I, I don't know why we wrote 18 races. There's only, there's not even 18 races in the calendar. It's just yeah. eight. Their green and white Delara Chevrolet will be split between the reigning Indy Lights champion Kyle Kaiser, a Northern California native who's shown proficiency on every type of circuit in his three years in lights, and Rene Bender, an Austrian journeyman of the European single-seater ladder who moves to America for two-plus seasons in the Formula V8 championship. Kyle Kaiser will race at Phoenix, Long Beach, the Indy Grand Prix, and the Indianapolis 500, while Bender will race this weekend at St. Petersburg, then at Barber, Toronto, and Mid-Ohio. Whew. Brand new team, splitting eight races between them this season. I mean, okay, I don't think we're, I don't think we're expecting a massive deal from this team, um, and it's and it, they dip their toes into the water in the full time series. But I'm looking forward to seeing what Kaiser can do on the ovals, especially the 500 itself. Kaiser's yeah. going to be looking for some uh, revenge because at the speedway because and the Freedom 100 last year he didn't necessarily have the best uh, the best race. And in 2016, he ended up crashing out, I think, on the first or second lap of the race. So he's looking to 
It, revenge is going to be a theme for him this year because it, the last time he was also at Long Beach, he crashed at the first corner of that race as well. Uh, so he's going to be looking to try and get off on the right foot. And with him being based originally from the West Coast, the races that he picked are in prime position for the West, you know, the Western audience with Long Beach and all. So, you know, he has a good car. It's just trying to catch the right brakes. Tends to be a pattern for a lot of young guys in IndyCar, I think, isn't it? Just, you know, seeing if the right opportunities fall your way and just, you know, hope everything works out on the day. If it wasn't for like, if it wasn't for, like Dale Coyne, might have some sort of like alternative strategy fun. That, that's that's always that's always a fun one. Um, please come back for the five hundred corner <laughs> in the meantime. But um, King, what do you make of that scene going forward? Uh, I, I, to me, it's more about what the team represents. That this team is the dream to work your way up the lights ladder as a team and finally mm-hmm. get a car in the series, and. It's going to be interesting to see what Kyle Kaiser can do. Rene Binder, as you said, three years in, in you know, the, the V8 3.5s, and then, you know, another five years on top of that in GP2. He spent a lot of years on the outside looking in to try, like, maybe hopefully get a chance at Formula 1. Well, he's got a chance over here in IndyCar. Yeah. Um, Junkos Racing's got an incredible pedigree. Of course, Kyle Kaiser stepping up with Junkos Racing this season. But look at some of the other names that have won championships with them. Spencer Piggott was series champion in 2015 with Junkos Racing. Connor Daly won the Pro Mazda title in 2010 with this team. Spencer Piggott in 2014. Victor Franzoni, uh, series champion Pro Mazda last year. And these are just the guys that won titles. I can also pick out the likes of Peter Dempsey, who won that that. Freedom 100 back in 2013. Tatiana Calderon raced for them for two seasons. Gustavo Menezes, who's an LP1 now and uh, World Endurance Championship. This team has had some pretty good drivers step up through their ranks in the last few years or so. Certainly some very, very solid pedigree there indeed. And I, I, I hope they can keep building on that. And, you know, hopefully this, this, this will lead to maybe having one car for the whole season next year. Um, I think that would be another. I think that'd be a great forward step for them in the right direction. And yeah, I've watched a bit of Kaiser in Indy Lights, and he looks very solid indeed. I'm looking forward to seeing what that team can do. Um, you know, it will only go up, in, I think, as time goes on. Right then, the number sixty in Michael Shank racing again, just the one car, um, not a full time program, but they have former Motorsport 101 guest Jack Harvey on. King's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, I like Jack. He's a very, very competent driver. Uh, again, not a full-time ride, part-time ride. He'll be racing, actually, the opening round of St. Pete, as well as the 500, and I believe four other rounds outside those two. Yes, um, I have down that they have at least Mid-Ohio. They have St. Pete, Long Beach. Their home race in Mid-Ohio. This is an Ohio-based team. They'll run Portland at Sonoma at the end of the season and, of course, the Indianapolis 500. And again, Indeed. again, this also feels like the finish to a story because Michael Shake Racing was actually one of the first teams to buy a DW12 chassis. Really? I didn't know that one. Huh. That's, a, that's a funny one. But yeah, nice to see Michael Shank in there take part for more than just the 500 this time round. And Jack Harvey, I think, is a, is, a, is a solid driver. He like he's he's had solid appearances in the past. I, I find it funny he's still classed as a rookie technically, but um, he he's been around the block a few times before. And hey, another Brit in the series. Can't wait for all that. You know, the obligatory one Guardian column. He'll get around 500 time here in the UK. That'll be fun. <laughs> but. Um, 
yeah, it does feel like another another bookend for Michael Shank. And yeah, great great to see Jack Harvey back in the series. We like him on this show. We like him a lot around here. Isn't that right, Ryan King? <laughs> yeah. we, we already we already covered that. Yes, yes, we did. I'm just I'm just doubling down on this because I like taking the piss, <laughs> basically. But you know, Jack Harvey obviously experienced, obviously winning in British Formula Three. Uh, runner-up in Indy Lights um, in the past and race winner in GT3. He lost a tiebreaker to Gavin Chavez yeah. in 2014. A second-place tiebreaker at that. Tied on points and tied on wins. Yeah, geez. Uh, again, Chavez, again, another great young talent in his own right. So that, it's a nice guy to be on a par with coming into the series um, full-time, um, well, kind of full-time anyway, as a proper. But uh, look forward to seeing the return of the... Uh, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say pink. I think it's more magenta, like you get out of printers. <laughs> um, more than anything else. But, um, yeah, that's going to be, that's gonna be but fun. But, yeah, Chris, do you have any thoughts about Shank's well, yeah, well, chances well, this year? Well, so Shank, uh, with him tr- being one of the first guys to buy the DW12, he, he couldn't get an engine a few years ago, which is why he decided to step back from getting into IndyCar racing full-time. This is actually a situation where you have two guys that have you know, been on the long, hard road to IndyCar, finally getting both their opportunities to really shine here now. Um, Jack Harvey, we mentioned about him losing the second-place tiebreaker to Gabby Chavez in 2014. He actually had a better average finish than uh, Chavez that year, if you actually tally up his results. And Shank, I mean, he did the partnership with Andretti last year at the 500 with, uh, with Harvey. Um, it was a good... Kind of way to dip your toe into the water to kind of experience what IndyCar racing is like, you know, just for a little bit. And then now he's going to be in a partnership with Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, who did a massive overhaul. We'll get into that later on of their entire staff and um, signed a great, great second driver to partner James Hinchcliffe. So it's looking uh, really good for Michael Shank racing this year. And Michael Shank, um, as I was doing my research, he did a one-off in the Indy Racing League in the 96-97 Super Season. Yes. He was at one long, of the at Las Vegas. <laughs> at Las Vegas, yes. Rolling back the years a little bit there. But again, as it's worth mentioning as well, as a quick one before we move on, no less than six races have already run through those, but there is a possibility of more depending on how the sponsorship works out. So keep half an eye on that one as the season goes on. Quick intermission to, shall we run down the schedule for the year already? Um, I think we should. Um, so, season obviously kicks off this weekend at St. Petersburg. Uh, that'll be March 11th, if, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, a couple of weeks later, we, they head to the first oval round of the season at it's yeah, at Phoenix. Indeed, it's, it's technically now called the ISM Raceway, but I'm, all, I'm still calling it Phoenix, damn it. Um, <laughs> it's the... It's the Desert Diamond West Valley Phoenix Grand Prix. So yeah, this checks out. Yeah, that, that works. That works for me. Um, that is the first of three races in three weeks. The week after that, they head to Long Beach for, well, the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach. Um, again, one of the staple rounds on the calendar. The week after that one, the hometown race, sort of, <laughs> of, of RJ's. They head to uh, Barber Motorsports Park for the Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. Always a fun time. Um then a couple of weeks later the month of may gets underway the indycar grand prix indianapolis road course of course strictly followed two weeks later by the big one the 102nd running of the indianapolis 500 um of course that round scores double points 
keep keep half an eye on that one. It becomes more relevant later. Pole doesn't score the usual race winners points this time around. They have changed that system around we talked about on a previous episode. But that's just worth noting again. The week after that, June 2nd and 3rd, the the uh, Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, the, the duel in Detroit gets underway. Graham Rahal looking to defend both of those wins he got there last year. The week after that, on June 9th, we head to Texas for the DXC Technology 600, hopefully settled in one sitting this time. <laughs> two, two weeks later, on June 24th, we have the Color Grand Prix at Road America. My personal favorite on the calendar. We can't wait for that one again. Road America, always a good time indeed. Um, next up after that one, a couple of weeks later, on July 8th, the Iowa Corn 300 at Iowa. Um, again, another, another big oval round on that one. Uh, the week after that... Uh, Across the border to Canada for the Honda Indy Toronto for that one on, on the street circuit. That's always a fun time as well. A couple of weeks after that, July 29th, the in, the Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio in Lexington. Again, race that always seems to, to provide a lot of drama on that one. Uh, take a drink every time they mention how many times Scott Dixon's won there. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, a little bit of a break, then three weeks after that, on August 19th, we have the ABC Supply 500 at Pocono, indeed in Pennsylvania. Uh, that is the first of, a, of three races again in three weeks, the week after that, six days later. At Gateway, we have the Monomerito Automotive Group 500, that'll be the final oval round of the season in Illinois. The week after that, September the 2nd, we head to the return of Portland International Raceway in Oregon. Um, looking forward to seeing how that one plays out in modern day terms. It's been a while since IndyCar's been to that one. And, of course, the final round, the grand finale, September 16th. We're going to end up flying through this season because IndyCar's always, sees, always seem so short their seasons, but they cram so many races in. September 16th, the final round at Sonoma Raceway, as usual. Whew. Yeah, Guys, so we, yeah, the calendar yeah. doesn't seem too different than last year. Just replacing Watkins Glen with Portland. I miss Watkins Glen. <laughs> I still Same. miss Watkins Glen. Same thing. There, I think they'll find it. They'll find a way to make it work again. Yeah, I, I need. I need my home race back. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The, 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 hopefully, they'll find a way to squeeze it back in at some point. Um, but yeah, it is still, I mean, knowing IndyCar will end up flying through the schedule really quickly. It will just go like clockwork. They always seem, seem to like, next thing you know, it's like, oh, wait, it's almost over already. <laughs> I feel that way every year I watch IndyCar, even more so. Um, <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out, of course, as mentioned, starting this weekend. Back to the teams and the first of the full-timers, and it's a brand new team. And uh, one that's been teased for a little while, but they are finally here full time. It's Carlin. Trevor Carlin has graduated the likes of Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo, Carlos Sainz Jr., among countless others to the pinnacle of motorsport in the past 20 years. That even includes your reigning Indy Car Series champion Joseph Newgarden and the reigning Indy 500 winner Takuma Sato, who've all raced for Carlin at some point in their careers. 2015, Carlin decided to take a bit of a risk, starting up a team in America with the goal of one day competing in the IndyCar Series, and three, day, three years later, that goal has now finally realized with two strong cars and two experienced drivers. Charlie Kimball, entering his eighth season in IndyCar, and Matt Shilton, entering his third, are both graduates of Carlin's European single-seater championship efforts. 
Both have no problem bringing sponsors on board. They will get the bills paid, and on their day, both are capable of genuine pace. Kimball is a race winner in IndyCar. Chilton was a breakout performer at last year's Indianapolis 500. They're both heading into 2015 off of contrasting seasons. Chilton, of course, showed significant improvement in last year, while Kimball had his worst season since his rookie year. Ultimately, neither was enough to keep him around at Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, so one may not look to this lineup and think it's all that spectacular on the surface, but if the past two years of decades of work have been an indicator, Trevor Carlin will not be content simply to make up the numbers with his team. They're always here to compete at the highest levels. Yeah, there's there's a lot to break down here. And again, we, we we've we've been ongoing in in covering Carlin as you know they were thinking about being an IndyCar full time and they're finally here now. Um, I mean, you're right in the sense that it's not the most spectacular lineup in the world. I mean, we've we've had a love. We've been fairly humorous in our in our bashing of Charlie Kimball, especially last season, a season that um, he we, he went from slightly above average to draconian at one point. That's what we tried to call him on this show. Which, uh, you know, wasn't the best of times. But for given the pool available in America, I don't think they could have done much better than these two to, to start a team from scratch. I think I think Chilton got a bit of a bad rap last season with Chip. I think he showed a lot more of his promise um, there last season. I mean, him leading 50 laps at the 500 last year was very impressive. En, en route to finishing fourth that year, his best result in the series to date. I mean... Chris, I mean, what, what, what have you made of, of, of Carlin as they prepare for their first full-time season in the top flight? Methodical. Uh, Trevor Carlin's not going to go into something uh, just just for the heck of it. He uh, He's taken his time. He's done his due diligence. Um, if, if you look at his – heck, if you look at the IndyCar series right now, you can easily pull, you know, what, seven, eight, almost nine drivers that have driven for him throughout the um, throughout their careers. Uh, Trevor's going to go into something to – get results and with how IndyCar is like it is nowadays with being just a single arrow kit for this coming season uh, he's going to have a great opportunity to get some good results and with Chilton's performance last year at the 500 I think that unlocked um, a part of him that we haven't seen in a long time where you know he's actually looking to get even higher up the grid than he was at Ganassi and right now he has he definitely has something to prove um, I don't know if we're going to necessarily see top fives but i would not be surprised to see a few top tens from uh, this team as we get along through this year yeah like i I'm kind of feel in the same camp at least where they're going to be m- sort of in the same position where they were at ganassi last year and that's considering ganassi is one of the you know top teams in the series where we're both kimball and where both kimball and chilton were both somewhat consistently finishing in the top 10 yeah i i and turns out, um, Charlie Kilton, Ch- Charlie Kimball in a 2013. <laughs> Charlie Kimball, Charlie Kimball. Uh, I'll, I'll, the- I'll, I'll do your shipping this so hard right now. God. Um, no, twice in the in the in the two twice in the last four seasons before this year, Kimball finished the most laps in the entire series, 2013 and 2016. Those were just so happened to be his best years in terms of championships results. He has. He's uh he's had a pretty solid track record at Indy as well, where he's had uh he's had four top ten finishes at that race, including a third back in twenty fifteen. Yeah, and like I I I like this team. I I mean, 
it, it's we, we've made jokes about it on Discord about it. it's basically Team Britain here because we Kimball technically is British himself, and you know Chilton is Mister British himself in in the series right now. And it, it's there's there's a lot to like here. Again, I said I don't think they could have done much better with what they've got here. And Kimball on his day can win races, and he has in the past. And He's, he can have those good days, and I think Chilton will only get better as time goes on. I think he did a lot to disprove some of that money jokes. Because I remember when we, one of our earliest videos we ever did on IndyCar was about Chilton getting the IndyCar switch to go over to Chip. And we were like, oh my god, they gave him the number 8 car and everything. And everyone was like, oh look, it's a money deal. And then everyone realized season 2. Yeah, Chilton's actually pretty good. He was in the top 10 of the championship for a, a good chunk of last season. So, like... I think there's a lot to look forward to here, and I, especially in Chilton. I think he's 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 got still got room to improve for sure. Yeah, and uh, Chris will agree with me on this one. The race where I where I knew Chilton was going to stick around, it was in Indy. It was Indy Lights in 2015. This was the week that Jules Bianchi passed away, and Matt Chilton won the race at Iowa. Keep in mind, Chilton, I believe that was his second ever oval race professionally. First ever. Yeah. First ever. Oh yeah, that's right. He didn't take the start at that year's Freedom One Hundred. Yeah, they yep. had a they had a fuel leak that bowl. flooded the engine actually. Uh, so yeah, he uh, he led. I think I think it was like a hundred lap race. I think he led eighty seven laps, and the other thirteen laps were led by uh, Ed Jones, who you know another Car another Carlin graduate um, to IndyCar. Um, I was actually at that race that weekend, and you could see um, what that race meant to Max to win, and uh, it was it was a great uh, it was a great display for him. And I think he that in that particular track. What was also great about that was um, this was also Carlin's first ever year at setting up a car for an oval, and it was <clears throat> it was also the first race I think that Carlin ever finished on an oval because Ed Jones had crashed at that year's Freedom 100. So, you know, they had a lot you know working against them if you look at it from the outside. But I mean, when you have two guys that are willing to you know lay it out there, they're gonna win. Indeed. I mean, like I said, I think there's a lot to look forward to in Carlin. I'd definitely be keeping an eye on them as the season progresses. Again, I think they're both capable of finishing inside that top ten if everything goes to plan. And, yeah, like, Carlin isn't here to make up the numbers, and that is what's going to be the most fun about that for sure. Next up, the one-car team of Harden Racing. The number 88 is back, and Gabby Chavez is back full-time this year. RJ, yeah. tell us a bit more. Yes. Um, Asphalt Magnet... Mike Harding's upstart team out of Indianapolis were one of the good surprises of the 27 season. They only ran three races, but they punched way above their weight. They finished ninth in their very first race at the Indianapolis 500. Then they proved a fifth just weeks later at Texas in a, ooh, very calamitous race. But this is the year that Harding Racing is gearing up for their first full season. Every major personnel hire from driver coach Alan Sir Jr. to team manager Brian Barthard is a headline grabber. The centerpiece of the team is young Colombian Gabby Chavez, an Indy Lights champion and IndyCar Rookie of the Year, who back in 2015 went so very nearly stole a victory and a glimmer of sunlight on a dark day at Pocono three years ago. Harding Racing are yet to tackle the road and street courses. Again, they've only competed on ovals so far. And Chavez himself has not done a full season since 2015 and has not raced on a road and street course since 2016. Will the leap to full-time competition overwhelm this second-year team? Will Harding Racing rise to the occasion as they did at points throughout their partial 2017 slate? I like Chavez, especially, obviously, especially on the ovals, but 
I think I think the, the, the kid's got a lot of talent and whew, I, I, I'm not sure like the thing is he's not Ricky he's obviously a little bit more experienced than that but I'm I'm struggling to picture where he slots in here because as he said there is a lot of question marks with Chavez because he's, he's a little bit rusty the team has not tackled the street and, and road courses um, and whatnot. But, I mean, wh- what's your gut feeling on this, RJ? Uh, it's it's really tough to say. I mean, as I pointed out, it, as far as like a like a mentor and a driver coach, you can't get much better than Al Linzer Jr. Hell, I'm almost worried that Al Linzer Jr. will get more coverage as Jabby Chavez as a driving coach than Gabby Chavez will as the actual driver of the car. <laughs> Because it's Al Unser Jr. Um, certainly, I've always felt that Chavez has had the challenge. Again, he was very hard done to lose out in his well, what would have been his second season at Brian Herta Autosport when Alexander Rossi came in at the start of 2016. Let's not forget that that was his ride before Rossi uh, basically come in, came in and swooped that up. Um, he, he, he absolutely has the talent, and especially on oval courses, he is a absolute sweeper, but... Don't discount his ability on the road and street courses. Yes, he hasn't done them in a while, but looking over his past track record, I mean, he's had points finishes in GP3, Indy Lights champion who's won on road and street courses before. The kid's good. The kid's really good, and I think this is the first time in a long time that he's had an actual chance to show it. Indeed. I mean, again, like that, that BHA one with Herta just didn't quite work out in the end, and he kind of faded into the background for a year or two, and then he's bounced back now. I mean, Chris, what do you, what do you make of Chavez going forward? Uh, he, well, you mentioned the pedigree earlier. I mean, he finished second in the Star Mazda in the Indy Lights title in 2012 and 13, and then won the Indy Lights title in 14 over that tiebreaker with Harvey, like we said. Um, fun little fact, of all the uh, Road to Indy races he's ever done, he's only had two retirements. Um, which, in my opinion, is mind-blowing. Uh, Chavez, even though he hasn't had, you know, the absolutely best results so far in IndyCar, I'm only seeing one retirement for him, and that was at Pocono in 15 when he had the engine failure with three to go. So one thing you can say about Chavez is he brings the car home. He's not going to be one of those guys that's going to cost you a, a lot of money in crash damage because, well, he hasn't crashed. You know, you can't cost someone in crash damage if you don't crash. Um <laughs> <laughs> thinking Jeff here, or GIF, or however you pronounce it. Uh, I mean, you look at Texas. He he stayed out of you know stayed out of trouble and finished fifth place while everybody around him you know was bouncing off the walls left and right. Um, yep. He did a great job at Indianapolis too, where I mean a lot of other guys bounced off the walls left and right, finished in ninth place. You got to keep your head underneath you, and especially with Alonzo Jr. as his as the you know team's executive consultant, as they word it, you're gonna have a great great background of someone who's been there someone who's done that someone who has won races in every you know facet of the every rate kind of racetrack road courses street courses ovals long ovals short ovals he's done it all and he's going to be able to give gabby a great great you know base of knowledge to work from indeed indeed um like, I still find I still find it incredible that Harding was able to pull that coupe off to get Unser Jr. and Barnhart in there. It's, it, it was definitely headline grabbing, as RJ pointed out. King? Yeah, and I I feel like in terms of it being their first full season campaign, that there's I, I would say there's going to be a bit of growing pains. They're not not growing pains. Is like they're going to perform 
poorly, but as in there's going to be being able to remain competitive over the course of a full campaign. That, right. that to me, is going to be their growing pains. If they can be as competitive in St. Pete as they are by the time Sonoma comes around. Indeed. I mean, I mean, as you say, I mean, that's going to be the difficulty because I think in IndyCar, consistency is, I think, the most important thing you've got to have in that series to really be up the thick end of the championship. It's the sort of series where one bad day can really hurt you. Um, and yeah, as you say, I think there'll be some growing pains with Chavez, but the talent, I think, is most certainly there. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him on the ovals for sure as well. Quick intermission here, folks. <laughs> What do you want to pick on the list of things to things to talk about? As uh, that's not necessarily the teams here. Well, I would say I would say we we talked about the new teams that have come in the series. Uh, what about the future? As in, we always kind of are hopeful in terms of IndyCar expansion. What new teams, other than the ones that are doing the series this season, could we see in upcoming seasons that could either move up from lights or? you know, be from scratch operations? It's a good question. Because, mm. I don't know, being being a New Yorker, one of the things that, you know, has made the pages of the local papers is that one, George Steinbrenner IV is considering starting up an indie operation. Well, an indie operation in the big cars, the full series. That's interesting. I mean, he's yeah. good friends with Colton Herta, so that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't be a bad move. Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad move, even though like a lot of the local papers painted out that the Herta's operation that Andretti Steinbrenner Racing is, you know, its own team separate from Andretti Racing, which it it paints a picture that Steinbrenner is more prepared than he actually is, which is not unfamiliar if you know anything about how the Yankees are operated. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus! I see where you're coming from there. I'm genuinely not sure on this one because, like, I'm not massively, massively aware of what goes on under, under America's <coughs> underbelly when it comes to things like that. But um, help me out here, fellow Americans. <laughs> that's that's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. Uh, what I would yes, love. Sir. What I would love to see. Uh, well, first of all. Uh, in the junior levels in the Maserati de Indy, one of the biggest powerhouse teams is Cape Motorsports. They've won the last seven USF 2000 championships, uh, which is the lowest rung on the Maserati de Indy for those of you who don't follow the road to Indy. Um, yeah. They also have a Pro Mazda team, and eventually, if the if the funding situation is right, they would like to do Indy Lights. But considering how well they've done in USF 2000 and Pro Mazda. If they are able to get a driver into, if they're able to get an Indy Lights car and actually do a good job at Indy Lights, that'll be a fantastic um, springboard for them getting into Indy car racing. But um, first things first, you got to actually get a budget together to do that. And right now, uh, they're basically subsidizing. I think they're subsidizing their team with their uh, custom, their custom hot rod shop. Because I see Cape Brothers Speed Shop on the uh, side pod of Oliver Askew's car for Pro Mazda. And that's basically what is helping to pay the bills, and I'm pretty sure they want to try and make it to where the team is paying for itself. So once that happens, I'm pretty sure I would love to see Cape Motorsports move up, but it takes a while to make that happen. Yeah, it takes a while. And uh, on, like, the maybe there being a new team around the block, maybe 
maybe if Carlin is successful, we could see the likes of other, you know, big European super teams who, you know, for the most part, Formula One is a closed shop. They're not taking in new Formula Two teams. And we've seen, I would say over the past, I would say seven to ten years, the the rise to dominance of Prima power team in Europe. That was what I was thinking in my head. I was thinking, hey, like Prima's pretty much got a major foothold in Europe. Surely they're thinking of an Atlantic expansion at some point. Surely and, it's crossed their minds. Yeah, and it, it, it's come to a point where where they they want to move to a more serious relationship with Ferrari, and they know that Formula One will never be that deal. And you know whether it be directly with Ferrari or you know their you know parent company Alfa Romeo. I mean, well, partner company with Alfa Romeo. Maybe that there could be a move in the works for them to come over to you know North America in the future because they want to expand and it's not going to be the Formula One. Yeah, and, and F2 is just going to inevitably end up being a bottleneck at some point because we all know that Formula One teams are, shall we say, a bit stingy with giving you guys <laughs> opportunities um, on this one. And a lot of the bigger factories just stash young talent and hope nobody else snags them half the time. Um, so, you know, I could, I, the, the thought of Prima did definitely cross my mind on this one because, like I said, like, like there's going to be a law of diminishing returns on F2 inevitably because... If they keep being good, they're just going to keep having drivers that can't take part in Formula One and then can't come back to can't come back to the Formula Two series either. So that's that that could be problematic going forward. One um, thing, one team I would also look into. I would look towards the top of uh, IMSA's ranks. I would look at teams like Action Express Motorsports and Wayne Taylor Racing, who have ties with mm. General Motorsports. I would look to. Um, I would look at a team like Extreme Speed Motorsport, who have. IndyCar alumnus or people like Pipo Durrani who have been interested in IndyCar before. Maybe those are your teams for the future. I mean, heck, we're seeing Michael Shank Racing doing the exact same thing. Could definitely see it happening. Um, that's that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Any other maybe far out suggestions? Maybe engine suppliers because I mean, you know, we all know IndyCar is desperate for a third one at some point. Well, in a pipe dream, I'd love to see Ford because the biggest motorsports rivalry outside of a driver rivalry is Ford versus Chevrolet. And in my opinion, Ford is doing themselves a massive disservice by not being involved in a, in a series when Chevrolet has won the last, what was it, four or five manufacturer's titles? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it would require a, a pretty big cultural change at Ford. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure Cosworth has an engine already ready to go. All Ford has to do is just say, here, put our name on it and, you know, give them money to develop it. And we could see a third engine manufacturer. And that yeah, would... like, pretty much Cosworth has already said that they would do it. They just need the funding. And the other thing is, well, and I, I hate to say it, but bad, there's a badging requirement that engine manufacturers have to have their engines badged by a major automated manufacturer like, you know, yeah. Chevrolet, Honda, Mazda, etc., while I'm pretty confident that if you drop that requirement, you would have more engine manufacturers in the championship. Definitely, definitely. You would see, like, whether it be European, like, like European bespoke engine manufacturers or, you know, American manufacturers, they would want the chance to sell their products to, you know, the potential and current IndyCar field of teams. It is what it is. Yeah, that 
is what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll get, like, the, 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 the hopefully that pool will get him back in eventually. That would be um, one I, I would like to see back at the top. Speaking of people that would love to be back at the top, AJ Foyt. Uh, <laughs> uh, our next team who, let's be honest, we know their struggles have been have been well documented. But uh, again, they have cleared the decks again for a third brand new driver lineup. We have Mateus Leist, not the video maker, <laughs> in the number four car. And we have one Tony Kanaan in the number 14 car. Tell us more, RJ. Yes. Um, so as we said, for the third time in as many seasons, AJ Foyne Enterprises will enter a new IndyCar Series season with a totally different driver lineup to the one they had before. Curious as the decision was to tear it all down, let go of Carlos Munoz after and Connor Daly after just one season, the lineup that AJ Foyne and, and the team have assembled is by no means a significant downgrade, especially when you consider that Brazil have literally invested a sizable sum in both their IndyCar legacy and their IndyCar future, all into one organization. The legacy is Tony Kanaan, an IndyCar Series champion and an Indy 500 winner, and now the third most experienced driver in American Open Wheel history with 330 premier-level starts behind only Foyt and Mario Andretti. The future is 19-year-old Mateus Laced, the fastest rookie in the Phoenix Open test, Laced, who moved from Britain to America and became an overnight sensation in Indy Lights, winning the prestigious Freedom 100 handily, in his very first competitive oval race, then winning two of the next three races on the calendar and finished fourth in the standings. Yes, it's true that Kanan hasn't won a race in September 2014, and Laced, who wasn't yet born when Kanan made his Ameri- when his made his debut in March 1998, is still very young for all of his amazing talent. Foyt's team have gutted their driver lineup, they changed their engine suppliers, but if they don't assume their form around, uh, they can't continue to blame the blame on anyone yep. but their own organization. Yeah, this, this, I, think, I think that is fair to say. I mean, this is a big deal. As we mentioned, this is this is the second year in a row that Foy has cleared the decks. And, like, I, I remember how I had a rant about this on Twitter a couple weeks back. And, like, I remember, like, AJ Foy on telling telling the media that, uh, oh, you know, like, I'm excited to have Tony here. And, uh, you know, I think it was something along the lines of, well, it can't be much worse than last season when they had Connor Daly and Carlos Munoz in the team. And I was like... <laughs> I clenched a fist at that one. <laughs> um, because I, I looked at that and I was like, you guys have cleared so many drivers out. And, and like, I looked at the last four guys they had before this and they had Daly, Munoz, you know, Hawksworth and... Takuma Sato, who have all either had podiums or race wins with other teams before or after with Foyt in one way or another. Of course, obviously including the reigning 500 winner, and I was like, how many times are you going to throw talent under the bus before you realise it might be that the team is part of the problem here? And I think this is the smoking gun, because they've now got Tony Kanaan in there, who is a perennial top six level sort of runner on normal when he was a chip, uh, anyway. So... If this doesn't work out with Tony Gunnar, where the hell does Foyt go from here? That's all I, that's all I pose as a question to you guys. RJ? Don't rush in at once. <laughs> <laughs> I, it really feels like our reaction says it all. If, if, if it doesn't... Like, if, if it doesn't work out, we don't know what's going to happen. 
there's like is Tony just gonna hang it up? I, I don't think he is. Oh, I don't think oh, Tony yeah. shows any desire for, for, to stop it. For for Kanan, if if it doesn't work out at Foyt, like if it ends up with him being fired at Foyt, he's gonna try to find a ride somewhere else. I don't know where Foyt's gonna move on. Yeah, and plus it's not like, you know, Tony Kanan is ever going to get physically outworked. I mean, look at the man. He is an absolute fitness machine. He could race until 50 if he wanted to, and he could probably still be competitive at 50. He's physically fit enough, and he's in the right mindset. He could do it. And uh, one, one thing that still keeps him in the game is that he uh, he is brazenly aggressive. In fact, yes. it's gotten to the point where he stepped over the line a couple times. Text Texas. immediately comes to mind. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he's still going to get you solid results. The one thing that he's missing lately is is a win. I I still laugh at the fact he was pretty much the sole benefactor of a $2 million crash at Texas last year. And then somehow, the team boss involved blamed James Hinchcliffe for it. That's adorable. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, dear. But um, yeah, as you say, this like this is a big one. Like, uh, like, least I think he'll be fine. I I I think that um, you know, winning the Freedom One Hundred for him, and you know, multiple wins in Indy Lights last year. The, the future is up with him. Like, do you really want to go all in on Kanan? I like. I like. Is he gonna... part, part of it? Part of it was it was an offer too good to refuse. Because reason why I they signed so. both Lice and Kanan was. They're getting, like, Kanan and Lice are getting backing from Band, the TV network in Brazil that airs IndyCar, because they feared that the ratings would, like, drop significantly without there being Elio or TK on the grid next year. So they, like, tried to make the best of a worse situ- of a bad situation. And sure. I didn't know how high the ratings were until, like, I heard, you know, their funding, their funding situation. The last time IndyCar raced in Brazil, they pulled... A 9.6 in the ratings. Nearly 10% of all Brazilians watch that race. IndyCar can't pull a 1 in the U.S. outside of the 500 sometimes. Yikes. I, I didn't realize just how big the Brazilian audience is over there. So, And yeah, Tony Kanaan is basically their god. Just, just minus the hair of that of Helio, which, by the way, is still magnificent. Uh, I don't know. Well. We saw the picture of him in the Mateus laced wig. It's great. Yeah, yeah. There's still time for a hair transplant, like Wayne Rooney style. You know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I, I, I don't know where we'll find it from, but you know, use your imagination, kids. Just don't um, go with the Randy Orton hair plugs, please. Ooh, ooh, no, no, wham, bam, no, thank you, ma'am. But um, Chris, talk to me about Foyt. I mean, what, what, what vibe are you getting from them this year? Well, I think. My personal opinion is that I think Connor Daly should have kept his ride. Uh, I think that Lace needed another another season in lights. Um, <laughs> Lace and lights. Um, and then you look, well, they've been hitting reset pretty often the last few years. I mean, Jack Hawksworth, uh, after the 2016 season was over, had an interesting uh, article interview with Mark Glendening from Racer about, you know, how he felt that his season had gone and how his time at Foyt had gone. Um it it's, it's a, it's a, seems to be a common theme where you know the more things change, the more they stay the same. The more you change the drivers, the more the results stay the same. And I mean, sure, it's difficult to build up continuity, but there's other things that work here that haven't let the team go well. I think that AJ is extremely loyal to people, but I think that the people he's lo- loyal to haven't 
done very well recently in IndyCar racing. Um, I do think that they're on the upswing. I think that when they mo made the move and had one of their cars based out of Speedway, Indiana, that it was a massive help to the team. Uh, they clearly did something good there with that. If you look at Connor Daly's results through the year, sure, he didn't start the season off very well, but at the end of the year, he got a top mm -hmm. five at Gateway. He had a couple of other top tens near the end of the season, and was actually, I think, was it 11th or so at Sonoma, even though he was saving fuel almost the entire time. Um, he was, yeah. Connor, in my opinion, showed that making the move to Speedway was the right move for that team, and my only you know wish is that they would have moved both cars to Speedway because, quite frankly, it's something that should happen. Um, hopefully with a guy like Kanan coming in who's won the 500 who's won the series championship who's won several races you know it'll bring a spark back to them but Kanan he hasn't had the best results as of lately it's been almost 1300 days since his last win think about that oh my god what were you doing 1300 days ago I was watching uh, actually Kanan's last win at Fontana in 2014. I was in Atlanta at that uh, at the Cup race that weekend. Damn. September 2014. What was I doing back then? Probably being angry at the latest Manchester United season, uh, <laughs> as one does. But gosh, like yeah, this is a big year. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's worth mentioning as a side note. Like, like. We joke on him a lot, but Connor, I think, should have should have definitely kept his seat. Him going vegan clearly made the difference to results. It gave it gave him a spring in his step. You know, shouting out vegan power every weekend, um, and obviously, like the results showed. I mean, again, moving the car back home and like Connor had a, a string of strong results. I mean, that top five at Gateway. We don't we don't talk about that one enough, especially given Daly has struggled at ovals in the past. That was a huge result for him. Um, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't to be. Uh, we cleared the decks again, so um, this one better work out. Otherwise, uh, who knows what Foyt's going to do? That is going to be uh, that's going to be oof. <laughs> like, like that, that could be explosive. Oh, they're not so, gonna they're not gonna fold. I think AJ's just going to have to cut size with the sun, Larry, because that's a. I mean, he's done it before. I mean, when you say cut ties, do you mean like furiously fight the man? <laughs> I mean, I mean, his own grandson had a falling out with him during a month yeah. of May. I remember that. Yeah, I was just... there. <laughs> they put John uh, Andretti in the car, and he couldn't get it to go any faster. While we're speaking of um, of Indianapolis natives, yes, should we, should, we, should we talk to our old buddy Oval Master Ed Carpenter? <laughs> Ed Carpenter Racing. So yes. Um, much of the mainstream attention around Ed Carpenter Racing will center around one Danica Patrick driving her profession, her final professional race for this team at the Indianapolis 500. But their main entries are still at the heart of this team. Ed Carpenter has had a long, strange odyssey in the sport. He is a speedway legacy. His godfather was effectively the man who started the series that you see before you today. He was a journeyman driver who emerged out of nowhere to become a race winner in the DW12 era, and he's now genuinely accomplished owner and driver, throwing it back to a time long since past. But all the excitement around ECR should be focused squarely on 23-year-old Californian Spencer Pickett, who starts his full first full IndyCar season. That's right, no longer splitting time with Ed Carpenter. He is full-time this year. Yes! Yes. Although he enters 2018 still very rough around the edges on ovals compared to his peers on the road and street courses, the 2015 Indy Lights champion is still one of the best young talents, potentially the next great American IndyCar champion, 
after fellow ECR alumni Joseph Newgarden. Carpenter will continue his own quest for a homegrown Indy 500 win as a driver and brings in Warwick native Jordan King, a British F3 champion and Formula 2 race winner to the series to drive the Roden Street course in its place in the number 20 car. Hot take. I think this team's a bit of a mess. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, am, I am not a... <laughs> so to shout out my brothers just barge into the room because United came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 in the taping of this podcast and we're all very excited <laughs> we're keeping that in but, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you're a United fan as well King I don't know what you're talking about well, we're in the middle of a show <laughs> yes <laughs> but, um, but as I was saying like I I'm not very keen on the direction of this team I think it's it's it squares mostly around Ed himself um, like as you mentioned, I'm very excited for Spencer in the 21 car getting his first full time season, but his overall development has been at the the detriment of that has been solely as a result of Ed Carpenter, whose overall results mostly over the last few years leave a bit to be desired. So it's all just it all just feels like it's a bit for naught with 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 Piggott and his development's been hurt because of the team he's in. Um, like Carpenter sharing the 20 car again I mean how do you expect to get the best out of Jordan King when you're not giving yeah. him chances to run overs yeah. and that, which is a significant part of the season I've always found that frustrating with yeah. like with, I mean, with Spencer Pickett it was a bit forgiving because he's a product of the road to Indy ladder with Jordan King it's this is even worse <laughs> this is even yeah. worse like Jordan King already got a bit of a pasted on the internet because well you can probably guess going into this series and you know people people were quick to mention the f word uh, f word i mean funding um on this one and yeah like if you're gonna do that at least run him for the whole season you know you, you give him the best possible chance to succeed so you can take some of the edge off those very pro- very proactive people that are gonna say oh yeah he's just he's a, he's a pay driver and whatnot right but no Carpenter's got to ride the ovals again. He's got to try and win the 500 again. Now that's partly justified because yes, Ed was Ed was qualified in second last year, and he was running up the front for um, for the lot of that 500. But it's back just to like... back pole winners. As I've mentioned, he is our generation's Gary Bettenhausen, who will always be quick enough to be in contention. But Gary never won the 500 with one as better much arm. As he tried. With one, yes, with one better arm. Yeah. Lest we forget that Gary Bettenhausen drove his entire career with one good arm. I mean, I still find it a little bit funny that people made jokes last season that Will Power now has more oval yeah. wins than Ed like, Carpenter does, and Ed Carpenter's an oval specialist. I mean, like, it's not a good look. I, I'm, I, I'm in the camp where it's either Ed should maybe think about hanging it up or enter a third car for yourself part-time. Right. Right, that's what I was thinking. Like, just if if you're that certain you, you can still win a 500, buy the third car, bet on yourself, basically, rather than compromising another driver who's now your teammate in the other car <laughs> that you've single-handedly compromised by not letting him run ovals, and now that's your full-time driver for the year. That again, that could be a problem, and it's a shame because it, I think it has diminished Spencer a little bit. Not as much as it could have been, because you say he's a product of the, of the road to Indy system, but like, the winningest driver on the road to Indy. I say uh, he's the win- Not only is he a product of the road to Indy, Spencer Pickett is the winningest driver on the road to Indy. He has twenty-four wins. 
Yeah. Y'all. Yeah. Um, he's he's your next big thing. I said last year, even running a partial schedule, that he had the talent to win a race. I think it happens this year. I can agree with you Whoa, on that. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that was my bold take. That was my bold way out of left field prediction from last season. I'm still going to consider it because, yeah, you look at his results on paper and they don't look all that impressive, but there were times where he was genuinely in contention for top fives, podium finishes, even wins, and, and then uh, and then just shit went pear-shaped. Toronto was a screamer to me, and I think he was running well at St. Pete last year, and then his yes. break, I think his break just literally exploded. Um, that must have been a bit scary. Um, but, but yeah, the talent, again, it's it, the, the, the upside is through the roof on Bigot, for sure. Um, I just hope that he doesn't get exposed a little bit in his first full year with the team. Um, as for the 20 car, God knows on that one. I mean, again, like Ed, he's very good on ovals. We know that. Um, but I, I think the results don't match his talent. I mean, phew, it's his last, it's his last top, his last top five finish was the same race that Canaan, it was at Canaan's last win 2014 at Fontana. Kind of makes, kind of begs the question why he gets a full time car. You know, like on on results alone, and in most other teams, he probably would have had it yanked out from underneath him by now. But yeah, yeah. and especially it's the the calendar. It, it's not as oval focused as it used to be. No, I mean you look at the calendar now. There's one, two, three, four, five, six oval races in a seventeen race calendar. It's 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 barely a third, uh, so you know it's not as, as integral a part of the championship as it used to be. Um, so like and I, I said, will I will say this, and I do hate to butt in. Um, in the Phoenix Open test results, Spencer Piggott was quicker than Ed Carpenter. So there's hmm. so it's it's not all bad. That's yeah, so. turning out fine. It wasn't his proficiency in Indy Lights, but you know he's he's showing marked improvement. I think he'll have a good season. I think he'll win a race. Yeah. Really? Yeah. RJ, you can host a show if, if, if Spencer Piggott wins a race, and you can do whatever you want on said show. Well, I, I, I'm I'm leaning t- more towards RJ's side, where I think Spencer Piggott could do it should the circumstances fall into place. I'm not quite that high on him, but I think a podium is definitely doable. Um, I've, again, I can't wait to see him try, because again, he, he had a couple of real flashes of brilliance last year. Um, so yeah, hopefully a, a, another year under the belt will, will, will do him some good, especially now he's going to be in every race. So yeah, looking forward for the 21, especially in, in, in the green. Very nice indeed, if, if you do say so. One of my favorite liveries on the grid this year. Um, and as for the 20, who knows? That'll be a fun adventure. Dale Coyne, um, amazingly, have actually got their team finalised. We don't, we haven't got a TBA yet heading into the final weekend. Um, they actually, they actually had it ironed out a couple of weeks ago. I was like, Dale Coyne, they've been productive. Good to know. RJ, tell us more. Mm. Well, Chris King, in two thousand eight. Could either of you have imagined that the last team left from the Champ Car World Series left standing after reunification would be Dale Coyne Racing based in their tiny shop in the middle of Chicagoland? And who could have foreseen their successes in 2017 when Sebastian Bourdais started off the season 
just on fire winning in St. Petersburg and making an early championship challenge before his injuries. And then Jones stepping up in a big way as a rookie of the year and nearly stealing the Indy 500 win out from Sato and Castro Neves. Bourdais, the only four-time consecutive champion in major American open-wheel racing, is healed in full from his injuries that sidelined him for nearly four months. Jimmy Vassar and James Sorlin, formerly of KB Racing, have bought into Bourdais' side of the garage. And make no mistake, they're here, and so are Bourdais and strategist Craig Hampton, to win races and make another serious championship challenge. The sudden departure of Jones leaves their number 19 entry to be filled in a 10-7 split between two rookies. Zachary Clayman DeMello brings with him tacky shoes, many North American karting championships, and an Andy Lights win of the top class. Pietro Fittipaldi succeeds the lineage of his grandfather Emerson as a third-generation racer. Both are fairly raw young talents, but of course time and again, especially in the last decade, no team has fought about their weight class better than Dale Quinn Racing. And as pointed out, they're only one of four teams that were around 30 years ago that are still around today. Anyone guess who the other three are? Um, I'm going to guess Penske is yes. one, Foyt is another. Yes. Um, Ganassi. Yes, so Ganassi bought up Patrick's assets after the 1989 season shut down. So yes, those are the other three teams that are still around. Whew. Which that was Man. a fun little way on how that old deal came about. But anyway, yeah. uh, Dale Coyne Racing, uh, they had a massive shakeup where they got they brought on Ed Jones for 2017. They brought on Craig Hampson, Olivier Boisson, and Sebastian Bourdais. And they proved to everybody that, hey, they knew what the heck they were doing when they won St. Pete and they nearly won Long Beach. And they nearly won the Indy 500 pole until that happened and then uh, ed jones finishes third in the indy 500 with a car that has a hole in the nose um and did a great job last year and ed jones did well enough where he's now at a different team this year uh so dale coin had to come up with a couple of drivers to fund the number 19 car and just to partner bourdais but with craig hampson on board engineering bourdais car it's going to be a again this is going to be a fantastic year for dale coin i think um i think that if the chips fall their way you could see Bourdais win maybe a couple of races this year I'm thinking bigger I'm thinking Bourdais is a serious threat for the title I mean oh there's Dre's early pick (laughs) (laughs) Dre's not not even the French driver standing he is going all in on Bourdais that that is officially my dark horse vote for the year I think I think Sebastian Bourdais um is so good, so good. Like yeah. he's yeah, Dre's yeah, yeah. been spending way too much time with me last year. <laughs> <laughs> I've, fall, I've fallen, for, I've fallen for him, King. Like, like, I, like I, 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 I was there when we were arm in arm after the Indy 500 crash, <laughs> and I've, I've, I've fallen for it. I, I, I think Bourdais is, is in, I've, I've always spoke incredibly highly of him as a driver. I've always said he's one of the best drivers of this generation that nobody talks about. Um, I've been saying this for years and years about Bourdais. I think this could be the year he, he puts it all together in IndyCar, not Champ Car. Um, I think I think this could be the one. I think Dale Coyne was was excellent last year. They they were way better than I think anybody had him had him down. Ed Jones I think was superb. Again, a shame he's not with them again for this year, but he's he's in he's in the right hands. More on that later. Um, but. Yeah, I think I think Bourdais could steer this team to multiple wins, and you know, in IndyCom, it doesn't take that many to be a real serious contender. If you can get to two or three wins, you'll have a serious chance. If you can keep if you can keep the car consistent throughout the rest of the year, 
Um, the 19 is going to be, you know, the growing pains car in the Pace Honda. I mean, Zach DeMello and Pietro obviously splitting the car. Um, I think yeah. Pietro could be quite underrated on the ovals. We'll have to wait and see what Zach DeMello does. I'm not that excited about the 19 car. But I think I don't think it's going to matter very much with 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 Bordet leading the charge yeah. in the eighteen. It it really, mm, it feels like the nineteen is, it feels like it's a very very long tryout. That it's going to be one of these two guys in the cart the, the year after this year. Yeah, and I think mm. Fittipaldi has an upper hand because one, his grandfather is a serious champion and a two-time Indianapolis 500 winner. Two, he's getting opportunities elsewhere. If you may not have heard the story, but he's gotten two race deal in the World Endurance Championship to drive for Dragon Speed in LMP1. Uh, he also tested very well in Porsche. Uh, did I mention his father is a former F- <laughs> grandfather's a former F1 World Champion and his cousin just won another Rolex 24? It helps. It helps. <laughs> it's not a bad feather in the cap to have. Just saying. I mean, but I mean, let's just be honest. How cool is it just to have a Fittipaldi in IndyCar again? That's just. It just sounds right. Um, somebody yeah. get the orange out. And, and I don't know. 500. I don't know. Just, just to play devil's advocate here, Demello, he 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 could show some upside. He might be better than Fittipaldi. I like, might might. Yeah, I when I first came across uh, Zachary Clayman Demello when I was covering Indy Lights very briefly in 2015, he was one of the more intriguing talents because he had just he'd only driven like a handful of low-level single-seater races in Great Britain. But I look at his karting resume, dude, it's stacked with trophies. Yeah, you could just ask Charlie. You could just ask friend of the show, Charlie Reservoir. Oh yeah. And he was getting he was getting better from 2016. He was getting tw- better from uh, from last season to this season, and of course now he's now he's in the full time. Yeah, and I mean, if his mom could get Hollywood stars to wear his shoes, maybe he'd get Hollywood stars to show up at the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Dale Coy might be the flashy team this year. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think Bourdais is is going to be a, a front runner this year. The 19, not so much, but that could always be fun to keep an eye on. Whew. Right, another intermission, guys. Should we talk about the body kits a little bit? Yeah, let's let's talk about that UAK. Looks <sighs> like it's going to be it's it's just an awkward grouping of letters. UAK 18, the Universal Arrow Kit. It brings back all the style that you love about the about the '90s to the early 2000s, but with all the safety innovations of today. Best of both worlds. So, some would say it's a car of tomorrow. No. Some could, some could say. <laughs> you go in the penalty box for that. Yeah. King in the sin bin. <laughs> Come back in five minutes. <laughs> oh dear! It was like, did Zoe infiltrate King's brain for a second there? Just like, oh my god! <laughs> what I love about uh, this car, apart from the aesthetics, of course, because it is a far more aesthetically pleasing package than the DW12. Blessed, it did its purpose, but that thing was fugly at some angles. Um, yes, but this one looks a lot better, and with less down, with less topside arrow, it's going to be. Uh, more challenging to drive, and in theory, will produce a lot better racing. 
Yeah, it, I'd like to fix it. it. It is what we wanted for F1, but in a more entertaining package. Which is kind of like IndyCar in a nutshell, but yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, the, whole, it's like the whole sport, really, to be honest. It's like... It does everything that we kind of want F1 to do, but doesn't. That was like the th- the second episode of the Drabri series. <laughs> like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, like, I- I'm in love with these kits. I think they look fantastic. They look stunning. On- they're even more stunning when they're actually on track. Um, the onboards we've seen with like, people like Max Chilton or Visor Cam have been superb. There is a lot to look forward to here, and I can't wait to see him. With proper presentation, St. Pete, because it's going to be it's going to be awesome. I think. Yeah. Are we uh, are we optimistic about the future of the other thing that was tested at Phoenix, the uh, the arrow screen? I am. I, yeah, like I am. from the actual test to uh, me going onto the PPG corporate website and looking up what like the the physical properties of Opticore, like it was way better than anything that F one ever tested, including the shield, and. Yeah, it's only going to improve from from here on out because they're going to re- basically refine the arrow screen. Uh, they're going to have different mounting device so you won't see the, well, the rivets that mount it to the car. It's going to be like one kind of like flat surface. Indeed, I mean, the, the Dixon's review was very positive on camera. He, he he was expecting things like, you know, like obviously like glare and you know, reflections, but they, they, they didn't seem to come up for him. So I, I saw IndyCar's video regarding that. Um, so he seemed to be very positive about the idea. I didn't hear a lot of negative feedback regarding that. Um, it's, it's a more common sense solution than the Halo, obviously, given the bank turns on ovals, etc. Um... I think I'm optimistic here, RJ. I think that I, I think they're going to go through with it. I, I don't see any major issues if it's been proven strength-wise to take obviously pieces of large pieces of bodywork. If it can take a tire, then I I don't see any reason why they can't run it. And I don't think it will be a deal breaker to watch on TV like so many Formula One fans insist the Halo will be. <laughs> For the love of fucking god! Um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I, I, I look forward to it. I'm, I look forward to it. I, I don't see any issues for it going forward. And I'm glad that IndyCar's been proactive in, in chasing this down. Yeah. It took two oh. years to develop it, and it really shows that they took their time doing this. Um, while when you saw Sebastian Vettel just completely, I'll just go ahead and say he whined when they had the uh, test over at Silverstone. Um Made me realize, okay, yeah, they're not going to go with the uh, the windscreen in Formula One, uh, so they needed to come up with something different. But, I mean, people was like, oh, it took them two years of this. Well, yeah, we don't have a freaking, you know, sandal thing on our car <laughs> <laughs> to distract our view here, guys. But, like, the the windscreen in F1 compared to the what, what we have in IndyCar are two fundamentally different things, which... I don't know how, like, I don't know how Ferrari could have designed a worse screen. Like, the the angle of attack, the material that they use, it was almost designed to cause the worst refraction possible. Um, it shows that they cobbled was, it together. What was the uh, what was the sits word exchange in the scene ru- in that in that one seat rush and Nicky Lauda's first test? <laughs> it's a shit box. It's a shit It's a shit box. Uh. What is resources to make a piece of crap like this? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best line in the whole movie. Yes. But, um, 
But, um, oh, jeez. Yeah, I think there's a lot to look forward to with that. Should we get into the upper midfield teams? I think the teams that are probably going to be knocking on the door of the big three. And uh, the first up on that, um, the big reshuffle at SPM. Well, certainly behind the scenes anyway. Yes. Who will bring the fight to the big three, they ask, year after year? Well, Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports has spared no expense to put everything in place to be that team that can take the fight to Team Penske, Chip Ganassi Racing, and Andretti Autosport. The offseason saw SPM make several major moves behind the scenes in the engineering department. Dominated by, and again, these are just two of them, the acquisition of ex-Ganassi engineer Jim Malloy and ex-Audi sport engineer Lena Gade. Yes. Returning for his fourth season as SPM's ace is the ever-popular James Hinchcliffe, a proven race Woo. winner. But now in his eighth season, both he and the rest of his squad know that his window to compete for a championship is right now. And he cannot afford another year of inconsistencies he had in 2017 in the races following his victory in Long Beach. Fellow Toronto native and IndyCar rookie Robert Wickens brings with him six years of race-winning experience from the Deutsche Tourenwagen Masters, bringing a racing area that began in America full circle at last. Wickens has the people in place around him to make an immediate impact in IndyCar. If the flashes of brilliance from his predecessor Mikhail Lotion in the same equipment are an indicator, Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport could be played to stun the field big time in 2018. Ooh! This team has me excited, and no, we're not just saying that because one of their drivers were nice enough to interview us. Lies! <laughs> Total lies! Nah, <laughs> it's, nah, it's all about the A-team. Uh, oh, but I... Oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if, if you want to get a technical, the real A-team is in the Maserati India with exclusive autosport. They're based in Canada, and three of the four drivers uh, that are assigned... Uh, that I know of are actually I, Canadians, so... I demand King get back in the sim bin for that. Oh, my that, God. That, that, back in the sim bin. That is disgraceful. I love when a plan comes together. <laughs> oh, and you can join him. RJ, it's our show now. Um, but, oh, man. SPM. Again, a lot of behind-the-scenes work. But I'm actually still most excited for James Hinchcliffe's podcast announcement that's coming tomorrow. I'm so excited. <laughs> wow. Aren't, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yes. The mayor on yes, air is good content. We will plug them even if they aren't paying for ad space on our show. James, call me. <laughs> we, could, we could do a crossover. <laughs> the dream. The dream. Nah, but, uh, the dream. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I could only pick out two of these names here in the engineering department. Obviously, Lena Gade, um, and race-winning engineer for three victories in Le Mans, a span of four years. Jim Molloy was the other one. Chris, um, how many how many people did they pick up this off season? I mean, my goodness. That I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm not privy to all the different crew guys that they hire in the off season. But for me, Lena Gade is the big gain in the off season. She's never worked on a, on a car that's been set up to turn just left on an oval. She's never um, worked in a primarily American open-wheel racing environment, so this is going to be an entirely new experience for her. Um, then again, she's got into, into motorsports engineering for the challenge of it, and you're not going to find a bigger challenge than trying to rein in James Hinchcliffe. Mm. This, a, is, gonna, this is going to be the best sitcom ever. Yes. <laughs> I can see the title now. Hinch the and Lena. <laughs> the plot wicked. 
Okay, if you think that I went to the sin bin for that, that's even worse. King, I swear to God, he'll be ejected for fighting. <laughs> yes, but who's going to get the two-minute minor for uh, instigation? Oh. This... <laughs> Oh boy, I'm trying to rein this back in a little bit. Yeah, nice try. We all know, we, I'm trying here, and probably failing, but I'm going to try. SPM has got a shit ton of potential going for it right here. We all know that Hinch is capable of winning races on paper. Robert Wickens, his one-off appearance at Road America was very impressive last year. They've made a, a lot of big acquisitions this is, I think, sort of what James was building up for when he made the decision to go to SPM in the first place. We all knew that he was he was winning multiple rounds on Andretti, but he wanted to be the big fish. This is it. Like they've they've made all the moves now that we realistically could make to make this happen. It's now up to James, I think, to put it together and maybe string like a deep top ten run in the championship. Like, if I'm James, I'm thinking top seven or eight overall minimum here. Yeah, this like this is the push. This is the push to get either an Indianapolis 500 victory or a series championship. Yeah, I'm treating top... I'm treating Sitz place like the ground floor here. <laughs> yeah, anything less is going to be a bit like McLaren's expectations for next season with Renault engine. It's like anything less is going to be is going to look a bit silly with all the big PR push you you had to get Renault in the, in, in in the back of the car. Yeah, I, I would like, I wouldn't say it has to be this year, but it has to be either be this year or next year. Especially when James has suddenly gone into old man mode where he started talking about, "Oh god, I'm not the young guy anymore because James is 30 years old." Um like he's not the he's not the young upstart anymore in the series. Like this, this 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 is him in his prime now. The window is here. Like this is when we we start to ask questions of James as to what, okay is he just going to be the charismatic midfielder or are we looking at a genuine elite level IndyCar talent here? I think we're going to start to figure out the answer to that in the next couple of years, and I think Robert Wickens is a great accomplice to go alongside him as well. And again, great potential. We saw him in in, in Road America was very impressive there. I think probably going to be a lock for rookie of the year probably yeah because it's it's essentially down to him and Mateus Lace because they're the only rookies running full time um Mm -hmm. of course Wiccan's a former Red Bull junior driver who got dropped from the program in the year that he just so happened to win the 2011 Formula Renault 3.5 series title ahead of guys like John Eric Verne guys like Daniel Ricciardo guys like Brendan Hartley and guys like Alexander Rossi <laughs> the, the, the the other guy on the amazing race oh uh, him yeah yeah quite tall you know full of full of character and you relate um, to valentino anyway yeah him him <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah I, I i'm think i'm thinking top six for hinch has to be has, has to be the minimum expectation now like I think this team has potential to really put the cat amongst the pigeons in, in IndyCar this year um, as the, the big threat to the elite runners in there. Speaking of which, their, I'd say, biggest rivals for that position down the road are LL Racing. And they've got two cars this year for the whole season. They've expanded and the mood is uh, buoyant in that camp. I've seen a lot of articles about this. Apparently the RLR camp is uh, 
very happy with the way things are going. But uh, RJ, yes. give us a break. Give us a breakdown on Ray Hall and friend. Yes, it's a uh, you know it's been a long time since Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing had fielded two genuinely competitive cars at the top flight of American Open Wheel Racing. In recent years, of course, the role with second-generation driver Graham Ray Hall has been that of the single-car giant slayers of the IndyCar field. The last three years for Ray Hall, now a 12th-year veteran at 29 years old, have been a career renaissance for the outspoken, abrasive, yet mega-fast Ohio native, with four victories and three straight finishes in the top sits in the championship. The one thing Ray Hall hasn't had earnest in recent years, though, is a teammate to support his efforts. Enter Takuma Sato, who so nearly won the Indy 500 for Ray Hall in 2012, but then went on to win it just last year with Andretti Autosport. Sato has weathered the ups and downs of nearly a decade as Honda's leading man in IndyCar, his Indy victory making him a national sporting hero. And uh, don't get it twisted, a man who is raced by the mantra of no attack, no chance, will not be content to just play rear gunner in 2015, even into the twilight of his racing career. When? Especially when you consider the fact that he is... Uh, he was fastest at the Phoenix Open test. Apparently, we're going back in time this, on this podcast. Yeah, nah, yeah, this, 20, 2015. Yeah, twenty eighteen, and it really seems like it really seems like Graham is done with slaying of slaying giants, and he wants to take the crown. And he really seems confident that this year is his year to be series champion. I, to be fair, King, Graham Rahal's been cocky about winning the championship every season for the last three years. This is this is nothing new. Rahal is a year is a day. No, that's why I like I feel like, yes, this is a big step up for the team, but I don't really see the championship in his grasp just yet. Well, this is his window of opportunity, and remember, it wasn't too long ago that in Graham's first two years with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, he was he was washed up. He was damaged goods forever. Mm-hmm. And then 2016, it turned around, and 16 and 17, he was a top Honda in the championship. No, I, I saw the renaissance happen in front of my eyes. It was 2015 at Barber Motorsports Park when he almost stole the win from Joseph Newgarden. Yeah, that was a that was a rampaging Ray Hall of red mist above the helmet, yeah. gunning down the other young guy. But again, <laughs> again... We need to, like, take into context just the stuff that we talked about so far, where we have Bourdais and Hinchcliffe both with serious chances at taking the championship, and we haven't even discussed any of the top three teams yet. It's a crowded group up there at the top. Yeah, and God, like, it's crazy to even think that Rahal is now 29. He's in almost the exact same ballpark as Hinch, only with a bit more recent success, and obviously probably a little bit more comfortable in that top six, like that elite category. Because I think Ray Hall is the guy that's probably been knocking on that door the most. Um, well, when I say knocking the door, I mean trying to close it again after Joseph Newgarden and Simon Pagano smashed through it the last couple of years. With Penske. Dude, he, he took he took Belle Isle, Michigan, and Annette right into the state of Ohio last year. Oh, yeah. It's... If Ray Hall puts it all together, there is no reason why he can't win the title. None. He is more than capable of that. Is it going to happen, though? I don't... See, the thing is, I like the idea of getting a second guy, and that was always what the goal what the goal was at RL, to have a second guy to back up Graham Ray Hall. But as RJ alluded to, Takuma Sato is not here for second place. <laughs> like, 
He is not going to back up Ray Hall. And I think it will come to a head at some point that Sato will be running ahead of Ray Hall one too many times and it's going to piss everybody off. But then they realise it's Takuma friggin' Sato. What did you expect? Um, is that am, 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 I, am, I, am I wrong for having this gut feeling that Sato could be problematic in that team in the long run only because he's a bit too good to play a support to play a supporting role? I don't know. He's driven for Ray Hall before. Um, he knows the gist of the team. They know him. I don't think they're gonna. He's. I don't think he's gonna be as much of a supporting role because I mean, he's done something Graham hasn't. He's won the Indy 500. So I mean, he's gonna get the better Honda engine because you know he's Japanese. He's gonna have the better um, time of it. Honestly, I think that he's also gonna take some of what he's learned from Andretti Autosport and apply it to Ray Hall Letterman and they're going to have a better year but I think Sato having that year at Andretti is going to be a force to be reckoned with he's not going to sit back yeah it, it's it's not going to be a situation of him pushing Graham forward it's going to be him pulling Graham up with him yes right and and yeah and just remember like when you see how badly things ended with sato at aj point you, you must think you must have been great i thought that sato was just kind of just a plug in andretti autosport i had no idea he was going to win the indianapolis 500 <laughs> probably says a lot more about Foyt than it does say about sato although at 41 years of age which he will be at the start of the season you do have to wonder how long he has it left in him it does. It does beg the question. I mean, he's on the not so bright side of forty now. After all, um, Sato is going to be such a limbo guy here. I think he's too good to be a support guy, but I was, I'm not sure if he's if he's good enough to drag Rahal into the top things like a slingshot. I'm not 100 percent convinced on that either. Um, that's that's that could be the most polarizing team to watch. I mean, as King says, it's crowded at the top. If there's one team that I could see up the front that would be punching above its weight, it could be RLL. If there could be one team that could be a big disappointment, it could also be RLL, and it would not surprise me either way. Um, I think that team is on the knife edge, and we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Oh, another intermission before we get into the top tier team, guys. What, what, what do you reckon? Rota Indy? Sure. Rota Indy. Chris, tell us a little more. <laughs> all right, so uh, it, I just have to ask you all one question. Do you want to go bottom to top or top to bottom? Um, bottom bottom let's go, top. Let's, yeah, let's go bottom to top. Bottom to top, perfect. Okay, so uh, I cover a lot of the Road to Indy stuff, and so right now we have – there are three championships in the Road to Indy. The f- bottom tier is going to be USF 2000. Uh, USF 2000 has a very interesting field uh, so far for this year. Uh, there's the uh, scholarship winner for the uh, from the shootout at Firebird Raceway, Keith Donegan from Ireland. Uh, Cape Motorsports has a great, uh, great driver in their USF 2000 car, the 2017 F4 US champion in Kyle Kirkwood. Uh, BN Racing confirmed this morning that Jamie Caroline, the British F4 champion from last year, will be driving for them this year. Um, we have uh, the Canadian team exclusive autosport. They have uh, three drivers, one from south of the border in Manuel Cabrera, one from north of the border in Jason Clooney racing within the borders in the U.S. Um, Newman Walks Racing, funded by, founded originally by Paul Newman and Eddie Walks, are uh, in with three cars again this year. Pabst Racing Services nearly won the uh, driver title last year with Renus VK, which is the Americanized version of Van Kumpthout. 
Uh, they have four cars this year with uh, Lucas Cole in his third season, Calvin Ming in his second, Rasmus Lind in his first, and Kalen Frederick last year's uh, uh, breakout for Team Pelfrey in the fourth car. Team Pelfrey has three cars as well for Bruno Tomaselli, Kyle Tupel, and Julian Vanderwatt. Uh, Tomaselli being the only female uh, in the series so yes. far. I'm very excited for her. She seemed at she seemed at times like she was doing really well considering she was racing in uh in aging equipment. Yeah, well, she was so arms up with which when she was with them last year. She drove the older car in the first race of the year in what was called the national class. But because she was the only entrant in that category, they got rid of it after uh, St. Petersburg because they were hoping for more cars there to fill out the rest of the grid. Um, Pro Mazda, interesting situation. They have a brand new car for this year, the PM18, which is based off of the USF17 that debuted last year for USF2000. Um, it looks nice. It, it looks extremely nice. I was at the uh, road, the Chris Griffiths test that the Road to Indy had back in uh, 2017 at the Speedway at IMS, and it was it looked amazing. It sounded fantastic. Um, unfortunately, engines have been an issue in uh, preseason testing. Uh, Renus uh, VK, who's racing with Yukos this year, um, made a post on Facebook about you know unfortunately not having a good reliability at the test. Um, BN Racing is going to be in with David Malukas. He was a standout driver last year. In fact, almost won in his second race weekend at Road America. Uh, Cape Motorsports has two cars. Uh, Oliver Askew is going to be there. Um, oh, my goodness. I am so excited for Oliver Askew. I think this is the guy that wins it. Well, Oliver, what's great about him is that he um, he won the championship last year, winning five out of the first six races. He did a great job last year. Only had one real uh, miscue at Toronto when he uh, he didn't back up enough off of the second uh, race where he had, the drivers were wrecking in front of him. Uh, he has a massive karting background. He won the first USF 2000 uh, scholarship uh, from the shootout that they had at uh, over in on the West Coast. Uh, he's done a great job, and he's he's going to be great this year. Uh, his teammate's going to be Nikita Lestoshkin in his second season in Pro Mazda. Exclusive Auto Sport is the real A team. Uh, they got Parker Thompson and Antonio Saravalli, two Canadians driving for them. Uh, Yunkos Racing, we mentioned Renus earlier. Carlos Kuhn is going to be driving for them, as well as Robert McGinnis. Um, funny thing about McGinnis is that he won the first race of the year last year in USA 2000, but did not get onto the podium again the rest of the year. Um, there's a new team from Italy that's going to be running RP Motorsport uh, with a couple of drivers there. Uh, team Pelvery is going to be back with three cars with Stingray Rob. We mentioned the, you know, talking about good names in the road to Indy. That's one of them. And uh, Andres Gutierrez and Rafael Martins as well. Uh, but then we go up to the Indy Lights Championship. And one thing we should I should mention before we get to Indy Lights, if you win the championship in USA 2000 and in Pro Mazda, you get a scholarship package to go to the next level in the road to Indy. Um, if you win the USA 2000 championship, you get a check for just over $300,000. If you win Pro Mazda, you get a check for almost $800,000 to move up to Indy Lights. Um, Indy Lights right now, we don't have that big of a grid right now. Um, Andretti Autosport has four cars, although one of them is Andretti Steinbrenner with Colton Herta. But Pato Award is back. Um, he's going to be driving uh, the number 27 car. Almost won the Pro Mazda title in 2016 with Team Pelfrey. Uh, Bellardi Auto Racing is two cars. Santi Arruccia is back for a few races. Uh, Aaron Tilas is back for the full year. Oh, he actually has fans that travel to every race that he does. If you wow. actually, if you actually look at the pits uh, across from, uh, the grandstands across from where his pits are, you'll see a Uruguayan flag or two. 
Yikes. Well, <laughs> uh, you look at uh, Santi on Twitter, he, you'll be surprised to hear this. He has 116,000 followers on Twitter. Such is what happens when you're the you're the nets you're the successor to the legacy that Gonzalo Rodriguez left behind. Pretty much, I don't know how many of those he bought. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yunko's racing his three cars, well, two cars right now. They might have a third later on. But um, Victor Franzoni, the 2017 Pro Mazda champion, is in. Um, fun thing about Victor is that he did all 12 races in Pro Mazda last year, seven victories. His other five results, second place. Yeah, and yeah. you have uh, Alfonso Silis Jr., who was a test driver for, I believe it was Force India last year. He's going to be driving uh, full-time this year. That's going to be a really fun team to watch. Um, I have I, I have high hopes for Franzoni. He um, he sacrificed a lot these past couple of years to get to this point, and um, he's he's got an amazing story behind him. Uh, what do you all think? Um, I'm thinking this is Santi Ruti's year. I think, obviously, he's going to be fired up with the fact that he's lost his main title sponsor. He's lost his main sponsor over the season, 40% of his backing. Yeah. You know, if not for that, he'd probably be in IndyCar right now. But, of course, you look at Colton Herta, and you see what he was able to accomplish in bits and pieces last season. You think, God, this kid's only 18 years old. <laughs> he's going to be so good. Yeah, probably me being reminded how young Colton Herta was when we had Hazel last on the show, and she pretty much had, like, an existential crisis realizing that Colton Herta was young enough to be her child. <laughs> yeah, born in the year 2000. I am very excited for what Patricia War can do because I saw him kick wholesale ass discount prices at IMSA last year, and for what I saw of him in Pro Mazda and in handfuls of drives at Indy Lights with, let's be honest, a less than ideal budget situation, um, this is a guy who could win a ton of races. Hmm. Don't discount Aaron Tietlitz either. He is fantastic in his own right. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's going to be an intriguing Indy Lights class. I just hope they get a few more entries on the grid. Tielitz is a great uh, is a great story. He won the Pro Mazda Championship in 2016 and bookended the series last year. Almost, um, he got second place at the Freedom 100 just by the skin of his teeth, going around Dalton Kellett. Um, hopefully, if Tielitz has you know a good car underneath him from Bellardi, he'll be fantastic. But I don't know. I I have a feeling that Santi's going to finish second in the championship for the third year in a row. Oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, the um, the the, oh, the riots that would take place? I So, Ed Jones won the title in 2016 after... Oh, uh, yes. I remember this. I was yeah, watching in New Orleans, and um, I was talking to a couple of people that were there, and apparently um, it was a very, very tense atmosphere there. Apparently, uh, many items were thrown... Uh, won't get into it now but it was uh it was fun to hear about and then um you know last year they had a lot of uh, some reliability issues and you know let's just put it this yeah. way the he can't he can't afford to dig himself out of a hole like he had to do in 2017 tw it, w it will set him back if he retires from a mechanical failure the if you want to look at something fun on twitter take a look at Bellardi's uh twitter whenever they announce that you know he's out from a mechanical issue because you will see a lot of um a lot of fun responses, shall we say. Uh, that's why I'm glad that Twitter uh, 
has an auto translate feature that you can just click and it'll translate the tweets for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Go r- r- real quick, if I may digress. If we go back to Laguna in 2016 when Ed Jones was winning, uh, I was watching on YouTube and they have you know the live comments on the le- right side of the screen, and you know comment here, comment there, comment there, and all of a sudden, whoosh. A big wall of Spanish just came up, and I was like, "Oh!" With all the exclamation points going upside down, I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is, this is, this is massive." And then, um, you. But the week before that, they were in Watkins Glen, New York, and after Santi had his tire failure, the viewing, the viewership of the race that weekend dropped by almost like what was it, a quarter of what they had. Um, wow. Yeah, it was again. It was, it was national racing hero. <laughs> To a country that's longed for one for more than twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> By the way, so check out the uh, Ganki uh, thing on Netflix, the one about Gonzalo Rodriguez. Very well worth your time. Yeah, it's it's, it's very good. I'd say a bit over the top in places, but still very good. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I don't have anything else for Santi unless uh, his win at Gateway. If you want to look at the YouTube highlights from that. Um, made a massive move around uh, Juan Pichajita to actually win. Um, he's not afraid to air it all out there to win the race. Yeah, I would. I would just ask one question before we move on to the big three teams. Who Go for would it. you say? Who Who do you think are going to be the the breakout stars this upcoming season throughout all three levels of the road to Indy? Uh, well, for USA 2000, it's hard to go against Kyle Kirkwood. Um, he he did an amazing job in uh, F4 last year with Cape Motorsports. Um, he's from the same hometown as Oliver Askew. In fact, they've actually raced against each other since they were kids. Um, and I think um, this maybe this is me being a cynic here, but I think that they might have played it smart having Kyle come in the year after Oliver because if Kyle is <laughs> if Kyle is as good as his performances have indicated he might win the scholarship, the same one that Oliver won the year before. So instead of having both of them competing for the same scholarship, they could just win them staggered one year by one year. Um, for Pro Mazda, it's hard to go against Askew for that championship. Um, it really is. He did a great job in USF 2000 with the same t- with the same you know sort of tub, um, although it's, it's also good to keep an eye on Parker Thompson. Uh, he won a few races last year, including uh, sweeping the uh, USA 2000 weekend at Toronto. In fact, not only did he sweep the USA 2000 Toronto weekend, he also swept the weekend at um, the Montreal Grand Prix for F1 in the uh, Toyota Tires F1600 Championship. Um, hard to go against him, or David Malukas for that matter. Uh, for Indy Lights, I'm also expecting a great year out of Victor Franzoni. He did a great job testing the car at uh, Indianapolis, as well as Pato Award. Um, I think it's going to be a fight between those two for the championship, as well as Santi. Um, although, <laughs> if Santi has a good car, he might just run away with the whole thing. But I'm, think- I'm thinking if I'm going to go for a guy that is really motivated, I'm going to go with Victor for the title in Indy Lights. Oh, yeah, that'd be... To me... Uh, to me, that seemed a bit of a dark horse compared to, you know, having Santi there, hopefully without any mechanical issues. Yeah, but if, if, if my predictions come well, we will see Franzoni as the victor in this one. <laughs> hey. hey. Chris, back in the Simbin. <laughs> for, the, for the Brazilianth time. Yep. <laughs> You, you, you can just stay there. You can, you can just do the rest of the post from there, quite frankly. 
not willing to issue a game misconduct just yet. Especially since we got the big three to run through. Mm -hmm. So, Andretti Autosport, guys. Yeah, yeah. Team America World Race Team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Andretti Herter Autosport. Someone insert Chris Cook's audio over the background over here. <laughs> this... <laughs> this is going to be... This is going to be a very interesting team. Like, it, like as, as RJ's going to point out in a minute, like, four guys, all American, all just all over the map in terms of where their racing careers are at the moment. RJ, tell us more. Yes. Winners of three of the last four Indianapolis 500s as a team, but only one series title in the last 10 seasons. Dreddy Autosport are loaded once again as the only team fielding four full-time entries this year. Now, we mentioned that all four of their drivers are at different phases of their career. Ryan Hunter Ray is still the team's veteran leader, himself a series champion and Indy 500 race winner. But two winless seasons in succession are below the standard that the 37-year-old has set for himself in recent years. It's given an opportunity for Alexander Rossi, no longer the F1 castaway, but a genuine star of IndyCar, to assert himself as the team's new ace driver. His strong finished in 2017, including a win at Watkins Glen, leading many believe this is the year he starts to push for a serious title of his own. Marco Andretti, the family legacy, moves to the Brian Herta-operated quadrant of the team and a chance to reinvigorate his career, which would mean at the very least winning a long-elusive Indianapolis 500. And finally, a chance that's been almost five years in the making he's realized for young Ohio-born rookie Zach Veach, who's won in every step of the road to Indy with Andretti Autosport. They're going to add even more firepower with the return of Carlos Munoz and Stefan Wilson for the big race. And that only adds firepower to the team wheels, especially to Indy, where they've been so proficient. As Chris points out, yeah, Beach didn't win Pro Mazda with Andretti Autosport, but um, he still did a pretty damn good job with them. <laughs> yeah, he won in You've USF. Heard of Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> beach on the beach. <laughs> okay, and, okay, I get out of the penalty box. Now you go in. <laughs> yeah, I run the show. I, I, whoa, I'm exempt, whoa, 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 penalty box. <laughs> but um whew. where do we start here i mean yeah. is it crazy to say that like alex rossi is now the ace in this team no that is not strange to say at all like because that's what it feels like now because like as, as rj pointed out like hunter ray's now gone winless for two years and like this was his team until not very long ago and Gosh, now now it's it's really Rossi's team now, and let's not forget he was a title contender at the final round at Sonoma last year. Yeah, uh, take away a, take away a twenty first place finish at Sonoma. He finished the five previous races second in Toronto, sits in Mid Ohio, third at Pocono, sits the Gateway, winner at Watkins Glen. You look at Ryan Hunter Ray. The very first thing that he said at Media Day, at IndyCar Media Day in 2017, was that he felt like it was this 2016 was a year of missed opportunities, and obviously 2017 was very much the same way. Um, he did not. He had if he didn't have bad luck, he had no luck at all last year. Except, uh, you know, he had fourth at St. Pete. He had a th uh, three podiums, but other than that, he had what was it? The he had a reliability issue at Long Beach. He blew his, his engine potato itself at Indy. He was involved with a massive incident at Texas. Gateway, he had handling issues. Um, it's just, it hasn't been, he hasn't had really that good of a time the last couple of seasons, you know, driving with In fairness, it's not that he's getting slower. It's just that he's had 
terrible luck lately. Yes, he's he's got the pace. He he knows what he's 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 got it still. It's just it hasn't you know the car just haven't fallen his way. Um, although we're we're also missing on the fact that Marco and Rossi have switched crews for this year. Well, switched numbers for this year in crews and all. Um, I'm going to bring you on an interesting statistic right here. Do you know who the last driver to score a top five finish in the championship was for Andretti Autosport? Oh, God. I, I Was it Hunter Ray when he won the championship? No, it wasn't. Oh, damn it. Was it Marco in 2013? Yes, it was. Fifth place. It was the consistency. Yeah. So yeah. the year after. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, Marco's last win was back at Iowa in 2011, so... Yeah, he has not won in the DW12 era. He's come close a couple of times. But Detroit was, was won, yeah. <laughs> Every... Is... is yeah, so, so, sorry, Chris. I don't know. Is, no. is this it? For, yeah, is, 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 is this it for Marco? Is this the do-or-die year? Because, like, him going to the 98 seems like the last roll of the dice. Well, a friend of mine did a graphic on Twitter where they had 25 and they put an X to it, then they had 26 put an X to that, 27 put an X to that, now it's 98. So one thing you'll at least guarantee with Marco is that he'll still have good merchandise sales. But um, <laughs> <laughs> if we keep hearing the same thing every year. You know, is this his breakout year? Is this his breakout year? And, you know, a fr- one other friend of mine said, yeah, it'll be a breakout year for him if he gets acne. But um, it... <laughs> I think Marco, the, fun, the thing about Marco is that he hasn't done well in the Arrow Kid era the last couple of seasons, but when he has, you know, a, a car that it's, it's more, I guess, tail happy, he does, he has done better. I mean, he did finish, I said, as I said, fifth in the title in 20, 2013, but, um, yeah, I mean, just looking at his results through the throughout the DW12 era, he's had a couple of podiums, a couple of runner-ups. You know, didn't have a hasn't had a win unfortunately, but he's had a lot of really good results. I mean, the year that he finished fifth in the title, he only had one retirement that year in 2013. So, um, can he get the job done? Yes, but really, he hasn't shown that the last few seasons. He hasn't been able to adapt to the Arrow Kid era, but maybe this year might see a change. Who knows? Yeah, and from what I've heard about this driving the new air kit, it's a it's a very tail happy car. It's got less downforce. It's going to be tougher to drive. Maybe this is a car that suits his strengths. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing Zach Veach though in this team. Oh yes, uh, yes indeed. So he's driven for Andretti Autosport in all three series series of the Road to Indy. He won in USA 2000 with them. Didn't win in Promaza. He actually won his debut Indy Lights race for them um, in 2014. Well, he he ran in 2013, but let's face it, that year he was vastly undersized. When he became a proper Indy Lights driver in 2014, where he had bulked up, he had gained a lot of muscle mass. He had actually he became more of a full driver in 2014 2013 was a throwaway year for him in indy lights but he became more of a true driver in 2014 and he won his first race that year in st petersburg um he drove for ed carpenter's team last year at barber motorsports park um he finished on the lead lap um he didn't he didn't want to push the car too much because he knew that you know they didn't have all the pieces available if he had an accident so he he kind of had to take it easy but he was able to at least get get that you know initial race underneath his belt. 
Um, had an incident at the Indy 500 in practice with A.J. Foyt's team, so he can always say that, yeah, he did hit the wall, but he almost saved it there. Um, now we got a full season, you know, set up for him in, Indy, in IndyCar, where after he did a few seasons of Indy Lights, now he's ready for the big time. And um, I guess the the question I have for you guys is, He's driven for Andretti in all three series of the Road to Indy. He's gained a lot of muscle mass. He's still pretty, you know, decently undersized for an Indy like IndyCar driver. Um, do you think that he can get a, a top ten finish or two this year? Um, my expectations aren't as big for him because he hasn't had a full season chance yet in IndyCar, and last year he only had just a couple of races. What do y'all think? Hmm. I look at his Indy Lights track record, and I look at what he did in 2016, where after a slow start to the season, he got better and better. He won at Road America, won at Laguna Seca, won at Watkins Glen, finished fourth in the championship after a year away. Because remember, he didn't race at all in 2015. He was hustling every gig that he could to try and find a ride. This is something he's worked at for years and years and years. He would have... I, I think... Yeah, like, it, it, it really feels like he's in a situation where, number one, at Andretti Autosport, he's a known quantity. Number two, he's shown to improve with time. And it seems like in at Andretti, he's going to be in a situation where this, this year is going to be a growing year. And he's not going to be in a situation where he feels like he needs to be winning races. He, he's in a situation where he can grow and develop as a full-time IndyCar Series driver. Yeah, faith willing, he's on a three-year contract to start his career off with Andretti Autosport. They believe in this young man a lot. One thing about Veach that I think we're overlooking, you mentioned um, his 2016 performance. He would have won the opening race of the year in St. Petersburg had his ECU decided not to pack itself up and uh, go away on vacation. So he know and he, and that year his teammate for the vast majority of the season was a Mr. Felix Rosenquist. Who? Oh yes, I remember that. <laughs> and 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 also, you you mentioned that first race of the year. Felix on the on the grid that year actually um, at at that particular race, he accidentally hit the rain mode button on his engine, so he only had seventy percent engine power and still came home in seventh. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. And, and this is I'm just gonna go off on a small little mini rant here. In my opinion, it is a crime against motorsport that Felix Rosenquist does not have at least a Formula Two seat or a full time IndyCar seat. Um, with as much stuff that he's done in Formula 3, it, it truly sucks that he doesn't have a, a higher tier ride than, say, Formula E right now. And that's, yeah. just, that's just me talking there. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, IndyCar's loss is my favorite series gain for this year, so shrug. Yeah, well, well yeah, he's going to be in Super Formula. Uh, are no, you... no, no. No, oh. he's going to be in Super GT this oh, year. Oh, yeah, Super GT. Wow, I misspoke. But yeah, he I was mean, in Super Formula last year and finished third in the championship as an eleventh hour addition to the grid. Yeah, this he has talent. Mahindra are lucky enough to have him. He's on, he has a full time factory ride in Formula E. He's probably going to be the face of the series when their new era comes this fall. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Andretti Autosport. Do you think um, this is going to be a fun team to watch this year? Yeah, fun team. Always, I really think that, again, Carlos Munoz at the 500 as a one-off is the scariest thing in the world. Carlos Munoz in there to win it all or nothing is terrifying to me because he's, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a threat for the win. 
He's not. That was going absolutely. back to like 2013 mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When he was a when he was a youngster coming out of Indy Lights, and he damn near won the thing. And now let's not forget, it's not he's not the only one off that injury he has at the 500 this year. Yes, that's yes, Stephen Wilson. Mm-hmm. And in exchange for uh, Alonzo taking uh, his seat for the uh, 2017 500, they said, "Okay, Stephen, we'll give you a ride for the 2018 Indy 500." Mm-hmm. So it's going to be good to see Stephen actually in a top tier ride. Um, it'll be good to see him promote organ donation for uh, with his brother and all that. Uh, yeah, look, looking forward to seeing how he does, you know, for the top tier ride. Indeed, like th- that team could be all over the map, but I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Rossi is in the top four. It wouldn't surprise me if Ryan Hunter A is in there either. Um, those two are weapons, and I hope Andretti finds a way to bounce back. That would that would be cool to see with the 98 because if anyone can get the best out of him, it's, it's going to be Brian Herter. So yeah, looking forward to that. Ugh. Now. <laughs> He likes winners. It's Chip Ganassi racing. And uh, wait, where did the other half of them go? Um, oh, they're, they're calling now. Um, we've only got two guys left here now. Um, but uh, RJ, break down the, the new Chip Ganassi racing Super Legera. Yes. Uh, well, as mentioned, are you a winner? Chip Ganassi racing likes winners. And uh, with the sheer glut of accomplishments they've had over the, uh, the last 25 years in the highest levels of the sport, Ganassi Racing are not content to have any weak points. So in a drastic move, they effectively offloaded half of their IndyCar staff and three of their drivers from last season. Only one constant factor remains. Scott Nitson, the most accomplished driver of his era. Four series championships, 41 victories, and health permitting, he'll reach 300 starts this year, over 250 of which have come with Ganassi. He's their longest tenured driver. Last year was his 11th season of finishing in the top three of the championship tables. <laughs> and he's only 38 this July and still has every bit of speed that he had when he was 23, perhaps more, as he approaches all-time greatness. But of course, Chip Ganassi did not become a success story without taking the occasional risk here or there. That was reinforced when they signed away Ed Jones, the reigning IndyCar Rookie of the Year, away from Dale Coyne Racing. The young Emirat... Emirates-born Brit is thrust into the forefront of the grid to replace the legendary Tota Kanan, hoping to bring consistent results to support Ditsing, something which was lacking from their team at points in 2017. I feel like this is going to be the shortest preview of the lot. <laughs> um, mostly because it's Chip, and with Chip, it's Scott Dixon. I don't think he needs any explanation. He's Scott Dixon. Pencil him in as, as probably title favourites um, because he's Scott Dixon. Um, fellas, anything to add to that? Or we can just move on from Scott right here and now because we all know that. Like, uh, do, we, do we need to add any more to this? Because this is like I don't Scott know. Scott Dixon monster. is perfect. He's great with the fans. He's great with the media. He is an accomplished driver, building a case for being the greatest of not just this era but of any era. Oh, he's so perfect. God, he's so detestable. Now, now but he can't I, play I, I feel I feel financially obligated to support Scott Dixon now because, you know, my bank is a sponsor now, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> Give him all your money. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, like I said, need I say more, it's Scott Dixon. He's he's Bookie's favourite to win the championship in the UK and no surprises there. Also, um, random, a, random fun fact. No. Uh, if you're a PNC bank account holder, you can get a debit card in the style of Scott Dixon's livery. I kid you not, that is a thing. 
King, you got to do it now. No. <laughs> no. Was. Yes, blue and orange. They're, they're fashionably. You, you can have, they're basically team iron brew at this point. It's great. Yeah, and we haven't even yet talked about his two Rolex 24 overall victories or the fact that he won his class just this past year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, um, what a monster. And Ed Jones, who you know was fantastic as a rookie last year, super impressive, top three finish at the Indy 500, had numerous top tens with Dale Coyne. Just overall looked like a guy that... I think the greatest compliment I can say of Jones is that he didn't look like a rookie out there at all. He looked like he'd been there four or five years already. Um, like, a gamble for for a team that big to, to, to take a punt on a guy in his second season. But, um, guys, how are we feeling about Ed Jones in, in year two? I think he's going to win. Yeah, he, he's going to get a win. Him and Pickett are going to wow, win. Really? Him and Pickett are going to win a, at least one race each. Wow. Yeah, I knew Ed Jones was going to be legit when I saw him win the first three races in a row at Indy Lights. That's something that only two other people had done before him. One of those was Paul Tracy, the other was Greg Moore, and the third is now Ed Jones. Um, Good company. Yeah. Um, This is, again, a driver I'd like telling the story. This is a driver who was nearly forced out of racing altogether when he accumulated a number of back injuries while he was racing in European Formula 3. Um, but he stuck with it, came to America, has enjoyed great success for himself, um, really became the leader of Dale Coyne Racing when, uh, of course, when Sebastian Bourdais had his injuries. Um, in some state, in some situations, a young rookie might crumble. In Ed Jones's case, it really galvanized <coughs> And now he's going to have some of the best equipment available to him on a regular basis. Yeah, <laughs> Say no more. Ed Jones is a weapon. You guys really think race wins? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. A okay. a win. Okay. At least one. Wow. The- I'd love to see that happen. Uh, mostly because Britain, you know, well, technically he's British when we like. That's the rule. He's winning. Therefore, he's British. If not, we'll say he's from he's from the Emirates. That, 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 that's that, that, that's the rules. It's just the British way. Yes. Um, Fun little yes. Andy uh, Murray's Andrew, Andy Murray syndrome is a is a treatable yet incurable illness. <laughs> Shut up, that, that, that blasted Scott. Get get well soon, Andy. <laughs> like England needs victories. Um, but, uh, fun fun yeah. fact, if I may, about Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, sure. Scott Dixon is the only driver that's won for uh, Chip Ganassi Racing since uh, that little date that I mentioned a couple of times before, the 2014 Fontana race with Can- with Canaan. Every race oh, victory since then has been o- has, for Chip Ganassi has only come from Scott Dixon. Yeah, that says it all, really. I mean, like I said, again, Dixon... Uh, always a, a pretty safe pick to win the title. Ed Jones, very, very However, high across the panel. But go, go, go on. However, there is one little thing that I think we should bring up here about Scott Dixon. Uh, he he has had very experienced teammates at every single season that he's had for a long time. Uh, you look at the last few seasons, he's had Tony Kanaan with him. You look at the last few seasons before that, he had Dario with him. I'm wondering how much of the setup work that has been done with Chip Ganassi Racing has been him. How much has it been with his teammates? Because this is going to be the first time that he has had a rookie teammate or a teammate that is as inexper- that is inexperienced in a very, very, very long time. Yeah, I was Indeed. about to say, like, the, the only 
Like he had Weldon before he had Frank yep. Keaty as a teammate. Um, who did he have before then? I before say... that, he had a, a, a cornucopia of teammates. He had Darren Manning, Jacques Lazier, Giorgio Pantano was for a couple of races. He had Ryan Briscoe, but Briscoe was a rookie at that point. Um, yeah, so so he's in a situation that he hasn't been in about uh, 13 years. Where it's him, and then he's got an inexperienced teammate. So um, this could be a very, very difficult year for Dixon. Indeed, like no backup to keep him going because that's that's been like the foundation of Chip for a long time. Is it? Yeah, Dixon's your front runner, but you had even a couple of years ago you had Kanan, Kimball, and and Chilton and Karen behind him to support him. That's not going to be a thing now. So Dixon's yeah, kind but of the trying yeah, but the trouble was they weren't getting consistent results out of those guys when they were with the team. And I don't think Chip Ganassi would have made this move if he didn't feel that Ed Jones couldn't get him the res support results to support Dixon in the championship bid. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. That's going to be a very interesting team with Ed Jones in the background. His role could be critical for, for Chip Ganassi to have any long-term success with, with, with the, uh, the twilight of Dixon's astounding IndyCar career. Right, Lewis, if you're listening, you can play the Imperial March music now. Team Penske, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I know it, you know it. The, 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 the juggernaut is back for another year. RJ? 16 Indianapolis 500 victories, 15 major American Open Wheel Championships, Team Penske are the benchmark by which all of the teams are measured in the sport and have been for over four decades. Three of those championships in recent years have been won by every member of their full-time driver roster. On paper, there are no weaknesses on the squad. The champion's number one goes from 2016 champion Pagano to 2017 champion Newgarden, the first of what could be many for the brilliant and charismatic young American superstar. Joseph Newgarden's dynamite in every kind of circuit the IndyCar Series races on. He enjoyed success upon debut with Team Penske, and he's only getting better from here. But of course, the competition from within the team is what stokes Team Penske's success, especially in recent years. Simon Paginot had another brilliant campaign in 2017, where he won two races. He finished every race. He let he ran more laps than anybody else, but he fell just short of the ultimate prize. And Will Power, who is now the team's veteran leader, will try for a second title as he continues to consistently win races and qualify up front and move up the all-time career records. Oh, all that, plus to get Elio Castroneves back for his 18th Indy 500 as Brazilian gets perhaps, maybe his last chance, is it, at winning his fourth Borg Warner Trophy. It's good to be passionate sometimes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, yeah, they're good. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, wow. Um, they've, they've dropped a car. They're only, only running the three full-time, but they'll have five for the 500, and I think for both races in Indianapolis, um, with Montoya and Helio Castroneves back. Montoya won't be back. That. Montoya will not be back for the 500. Yeah, Montoya is not oh. coming back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, look, my, my bad, my bad. So, it's, so it is just four. It is only yeah, going to be four for the four. 500. Montoya is free to seek out other opportunities for the 500, but speaking to him at the Rolex 24, um, if I were a betting man, I would not bet on him being at the 500 this year. Yeah. Wow. Fair and enough. we have our reigning, defending, undisputed champion, Joseph Newgarden, the first post-split champion. He's the first driver to win the championship to have never driven on either side of the split. That's nuts. Um, I mean, wh where do you start here? I mean, the beginning. all three guys 
you could say could be a pick to win the championship and nobody would argue with you um it's stacked willpower i think is might be like one of only two or three dudes who can win any given race on his day He's he had probably the... six pole positions. He had three victories last year. He led more laps than anyone else. He finished just fifth in the standings yeah. last year because of other things that happened last season. Yeah. <laughs> he, had the, he had some pretty wretched luck out there as well. Um, <laughs> Willpower is a monster. Probably the fastest guy in the series over a single lap. Maybe ever. Um... Joseph Newgarden is just fantastic everywhere and has a level of balls that I that I, that I think is just terrifying. That that pass at Gateway on yes. Pagano was probably a title-defining pass from Newgarden um, that would later cement the title for him down the stretch. Um, and it all goes in cycles because you remember in 2016, Pagano put an audacious pass around the outside of Will Power at Mid-Ohio. Yep, coming into the God, front straightaway. And, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and New, uh, Newgarden did the same thing to Power at uh, Mid-Ohio this past year as well. You know, weaving yeah. on the straightaway and then just going down the inside of him and going around him there too. Newgarden? But we also... We also got to remember that New Garden season wasn't 100% pristine, lest we forget Watkins Glen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. It would have been a hell of a lot easier if it wasn't for that day at Watkins Glen. And also Texas, um, too. And, yeah. Indeed. And we have, we've not even spoken about Simon Pagano and how utterly brilliant he has now been for the last two seasons. Um, I still remember just how fantastic he was at Sonoma, the only man to run a four-stopper and win it because his pace was just so insanely fast. Um, that was an incredible performance. That was literally Pagano throwing the house at trying to win the title and hoping something would happen further back. It just wasn't to be, but all three of these guys are monsters in their own right. Um, good luck picking between them for the title. And as, Pensky, as as RJ said, Penske loves it that way. The, the the in-house rivalry between them is what stokes the fires of competition, and that's what makes them so great. Last year, all four men had a shot at winning the title going into the final round. Um, they're an incredible outfit. They are the benchmark for IndyCar, and um, God knows um, <laughs> who's going to win between those three. Like You could basically flip a three-sided coin if such a thing existed and um you know you, you, again like like good luck on that one basically between all three i mean they're probably going to be the favorites um to be the best team at least and well title threat we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute but um should we do some uh pre-season picks gentlemen before, before, absolutely before we, get, before we get out of dodge um rookie of the year We'll get, that's the easy one we get because there's not, there's not very many guys that are running. Uh, I think it's basically Wickens, Lyston, and Veach. Basically, is your you yeah. know, is your is your three full time rookies. Which one are you guys picking out of the three? Wickens. I I think I got to go with Robert Wickens as well. He's he's probably best suited for success. Um, I I do just wish that some of these other rookies like Fittipaldi and Harvey. And Kaiser did have full-time opportunities Indeed. to prove themselves. I also kind of wish that IndyCar's Rookie of the Year vote was something that you could just vote on and not have it just be like, oh, the rookie that scores most points wins. Some, wins. Well, thank God Fernando Alonso's not taking part again. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Chris, what do you reckon? Well, I'm going to go against everybody else here. I'm going to say Zach Veach because I don't want to do the same thing everybody else does. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go Wickens as well on this one. I think the, he is just in the, the best possible position for success. I think he's. I think the experience for him will shine through from other series. I'm going to say Robert Wickens as well. Don't get me wrong. I agree with all of you on that, but I don't want to go along with everybody else. <laughs> Hipster. Hipster. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, mainstream. I'm, I'm, but an understandable hipster. Um, Okie dokie. Breakout star of the year. We've done this a couple of times before. The guy that I think is most due to break out from the pack this year. Who do you guys reckon? Dig it. Mm. Do, I, do I say it's like I'm either on the fence between Spencer Piggott or if you could say that he would, you know, it'd be a quote unquote breakout year for, for Ed Jones. I think it's, I think it's Alexander Rossi. <laughs> oh my God, we're how, on this. How, <laughs> how could it be a breakout year when last year, he, like last year he was a top Someone six runner Chris in Cook. the championship? <laughs> Get out! I will, say, I, will say, I will say that he did not really come on until late in the season, but this is going to be the first year where he strings it all together for the force of a full campaign. He was a title contender at the final round. How has he not put it all he together? Could, but he had, but he had to get hot at the end of the season to get there. Though is my point. No, I'm not accepting this. <laughs> I, I, I'm vetoing this selection. I don't normally okay. do this. Okay, fine. Okay, I'm going with Spencer Piggott as well. That would have been my what my plan B as well. You know, I'm going to say Gabby Chavez. I think I I think Chavez at the ovals. I think he's going to surprise a few people in that Harding team. I really do. I, I like the guys they've brought in. I'm going to say Gabby Chavez for my breakout star of the year pick. I, I, I it would not surprise me if he's in the top twelve by the end of the season. And I, which I think would be enough to quantify that sort of award for him. Honorable mention to Max Chilton. Good, solid pick. Chris? Um, well, I said Piggott at the start. Yeah, so. he said, yeah. Yeah, he did, he did indeed. Uh, I think that's everybody, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Oh, the big one. <laughs> the big one. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, or in this case, this case, only gentlemen on this occasion, your 2018 Verizon IndyCar season champion will be... This is the hardest. This is the hardest it's been in a long time to, to predict the series there's, champion. There's legitimately <laughs> seven or eight names you could pick here. This is hard. No one wants to budge first on this one. <laughs> All right, fine. New Garden. New Garden's gonna, New Garden to repeat. New Garden to retain and repeat. Wow. That would be, that'd be I, incredible ooh. for Joseph. I I don't know. I I think I think I gotta go with RJ's denied pick. I think Ross is gonna do it. I don't know why. Wow. I just feel I feel Alex Rossi's gonna do it. I don't trust Andretti enough to go that far. <laughs> I just I can't get there. He's fantastic, but I I can't I. 
There's just something about Andretti, right? I can't trust him or they'll go all the way. I am going to say the infighting with only three cars is going to open the door for Scott Dixon to win his fifth full-time IndyCar title. I mean, if, if they still were able to win the title with infighting with four cars, what do you, what, what, what do you make infighting with three cars is going to be worse? New Garden and Pagano will have an explosive fight sometime mid-season, and it will open the door for Scott. You, you, you think like like Champions Club is just going to collapse? Yes, something will happen. Like we very nearly got in at Gateway between them, <laughs> where Pagano was was understandably a little bit salty afterwards. Um, I think something will give that like. Team Penske has ran too well for me in the last few years where something like that isn't going to happen at some point. And then it all comes back to me. The uh, the only <laughs> returning member of this show who was who did the season previews last year who actually picked the right champion. Some would say it was out of uh, it was out of uh, favoritism. You know, I admit I uh, I stand pretty hard for Joseph Newgarden. Um, so Go so on. so all the pressure is on me. And um, do it. With all the pressure that's on me, I think Ditson win is fifth. Whoa! Five times. RJ has come to Team Harrison. <laughs> Trey Nation has two picks for Dixon. I, like, RJ, is, is, RJ has turned against his hometown hero. I didn't say I was turning against Joseph Nogarden. I was saying that Scott Ditson is the most sensible pick on the board. It just feels like it's going to be one of his years. RJ, I'm disappointed in you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, two picks for Scott Dixon. I'm surprised at that because nobody picked Dixon last year. I thought that was astonishing. Uh, This this year, two of us have been... It's just that gut feeling because you can never, ever rule out Scott Dixon. Except last year. a jillion years. (laughs) Well... That was that was an exceptionally unlucky year for Scott Dixon, even for his standards. Yeah. Um, even for Taco Bell standards. So <laughs> at least you got some, at least you got some freaking fire miles. Hey, we're just playing all the classics. Indeed, indeed. How about a way too early Indy 500 pick? Danica. Get out! Get out! I will throw you out of the window in the style of Jazzy Jeff from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay, okay. This time it's Marco's year. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no! I'm strapping a rapid. I'm, I'm, I'm strapping a rocket to RJ's back here and then like, sending him to the moon instead. Me, like part of me wants to believe that next year will be Marco's year because it will be what the fiftieth uh, anniversary of Mario's. Yes, win? it will be next oh, wow. year. No, the numerology is not going to work in a <laughs> like that. The numerology suggests Elio's going to win his fourth this year anyway, so. Yeah. Four time. I'm going Alex Rossi. Rossi, Rossi gets win number two. I've, people forget he was super strong last year as well. He was right up in the, in the thick end of things um, until, the last, until the last caution and it became a battle really between Helio and Sato. But Rossi was, Rossi was up the front for the vast majority of that race. So my way too early pick is going to be Alex Rossi on this one. Yeah, my way too early 500 pick is pretty much going to be what you expected to be. Carlos Munoz to, to get his first win. Yes. Yes. 
Here for it. Oh, um, honestly, I think, I think a driver who's now in that boat of now, he is the driver who has done everything in this sport except win this race. I think it's going to be Will Power. That's not a bad shout at all. But to be fair, picking Will Power for anything is a pretty good shout these days. But the guys have turned into a real oval oval win in the last few years. Yeesh. Um, guys, I think we're just about done here. Yeah, no, um, no. Chris Christen, Vic. I want to know who Chris is. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chris is way too early, Vic. Um, doof. Do it. Mm. Do it. <laughs> Ed Jones. Mm, that's not a bad mm. pick. That is not a bad that's pick. That's solid. I was Shit. hoping I was hoping someone would press that Connor Daly button. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Like that'll be a lifetime of like roasting if you picked Connor Daly to win the five hundred. Oh somebody play the somebody play the Connor Daly is out video. <laughs> <laughs> someone put someone get make sure that Cook is okay if he wins the five hundred. <laughs> Oh God. Yeah, oh, oh, God. Cook is gonna die if that, if that happens. Well, he's, he, but, uh, well, Rossi did win in sixteen, and he's you know he's okay. So yeah, that works. That works. Um, woof. Okay, I think we're just about done here, folks. Um, woof. A loaded and a stacked two and a quarter hour Indy five hundred Indy five hundred slash twenty eighteen Indy car season preview for your listening pleasure. Um, we'll be back later this week to talk about some of the F1 testing, the Me- the Mexico City e um, and I've already got the episode title ready to go. Repeat, apt nauseum. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I Thank I- you. Thank oh, you. We're not, we're not capitalizing on his own hashtag all the way apt. I, I think mine's better. I, I really do. I'm <laughs> Objection overruled. Um, <laughs> but um, obviously, the Mexico F1 Catalonia test and the Americans get into a circle and bash me over their head because they have F1 TV come in and I don't. Bastards! <laughs> yep. F1 can be yours for only $8.99 a month. Land of the free. Home of the unrestricted access to the entire FOM video library. <laughs> I hate all of you so much right now. <laughs> yeah. God damn you. Little note to IndyCar. I'm so tired of this slow, just drip feed of classic races. I need all of it now. <laughs> damn you, America. We're wrapping Come this up. Come to the dark right side. Here. We have Places cookies. Oh dear, oh dear. I'm wrapping this up. Basically, you can find this one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at un- Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan King, and at CD C-D-H-A-R-D-E, if that's the spelling for those guys in there. Give him a Motorsport 101 bump on our behalf, if you don't mind. Um, and because, again, if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. It's a really, really good week to do so. IndyCar season preview, big review of F1 testing. Well, not much of it anyway, but testing. And our MotoGP season preview on Bike Live will be out all this week. It's going to be an absolutely stacked week. And... This is also probably going to be the last week we're going to have a fortnightly break between episodes because, we hey, we've kind of got to do the F1 season preview next week as well. That's, that should be fun, right? Who's, who's optimistic for that, huh? Huh? 
Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> it's going to be a long week next week. Um, <laughs> but until next time, which will be later this week, I've been Andre Harrison, David Christahade, um, RJ O'Connell, and Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. See ya. Like, I'm not-